starting lineup of your favorite show. And producer, 5'11", from Blanchester, the cow killer, Casey McCollister. And comic engineer, standing at 4'8", the pride of the west side, Elliot Rearing. And your host, weighing 150 pounds, soaking wet. Something that's very uh, poetic and nice on a, on a lovely, beautiful morning is when you walk in and you get everything set up and everything's ready to roll, and then uh, you get to see the little frantic face of Casey McAllister if all the tech doesn't work. Sometimes that's uh, that's almost like enjoyable to watch. I know he doesn't perhaps appreciate that or like that when it happens, but I got to be honest. Sometimes just coming on air a little bit late. But the cherry on top today, for me at least, which we'll get to it later in the show, of course, is just the squirmish face of Casey McAllister ravaging through his computer before the show begins and getting completely upset that we're two minutes late. So my apologies. My apologies that we're two minutes late, but it wasn't Casey's fault. I'm not throwing him under the bus today. But this is Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. We come your way usually from 10. A. But today it's 10.04 to 12. <laughs> P. And today it might be a little less than 12. <laughs> but we'll figure it out as we go. We got a, uh, as usual, we got a lot to talk about. There's a lot of things that have been going on locally in Cincinnati sports. Spring training's completely underway. The local hoop scene is, is, is flying high. It is absolutely uh, motorboating on all cylinders right now. We got coaches that are just completely satisfied with their teams. And by completely satisfied, of course, I mean... They are not thrilled at all. It's a competi- uh, It's basically a competition at this point between Wes Miller and Sean Miller on who can provide the best soundbite about how they are just not happy with the way their team's performing. We'll talk about that towards the end of the show. We got buy or sell. I don't know why the I don't know why the the love it or hate it segment went away. I'm not sure. I either. think I love that segment, but anyways, it went away for buy or sell. We also have maybe some freeloading rookies. Are too many of these guys getting a pass? That's what the local media is trying to suggest. We'll have that discussion. And then right before, or right, excuse me, right after headlines, we'll get into some dumb rules. I ran into a dumb rule yesterday, or a rule that I found out about, I should say, and we'll discuss that just after the headlines. Because per usual, I w- this show wouldn't run without Elliot Rearing. Really? This may- I don't think is that it a would. fact? That's a, that's well. Yeah, that's a fact. Because ultimately, I come in here and say, "Hey, you know, here's a couple things that I found somewhat interesting. We could have a discussion about. Maybe rile the people up. You know, maybe like two days after we actually talk about it, or rile them up. But we'll rile some people up, make them think. Maybe, maybe we won't make them think. I don't know. But that's the goal, at least on off the bench when I'm sitting here. Yeah, is to try to make people critically think about certain things. Uh, and before I start, I, we're going to get into something later in the show. I believe it's called Dumb Rules is what we're going to call it. Uh, I, and I'm not going to preview. It's literally the next segment, but go yeah, ahead. Yeah, I'm not going to preview what, what I had. But this morning, I'm going to give you a quick example of what's going on. I was driving into Hamilton as I always do. It's a quick little 50-minute drive. And as I'm driving in, I, I, I'm behind this uh, – what's, what's the hamster car? Kia? 
Yes. It? Yes. The, 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 the cube, right? I, yeah, the, I was behind. I was behind one up, of those this down, morning, and it's and it's up, it's up, one down, lane down, little down, highway all the way out. It's past Stricker's Grove. If you know where I'm talking about, and and, I, and I'm driving behind this car, and the speed limit's about 55 right there, and they were going about 40. Kia Soul. Kia Soul, and it, they were going about 40. So as I'm driving in, going 40 miles an hour on a 55 mile per hour one one lane highway. Yeah. I started debating. Why can't I pass anybody at all times? Because this is preposterous. So now what has to happen is, and I don't like to do it because I know people do it. Uh, I had to, I had to ride their tail a little bit. Did you? I did. I had to get on their tail because we're going 15 miles under the speed limit. Right. So what happened was, and I think this Kia Soul hamster mobile person, he took it personally. Yeah. And then he hit the gun. He hit, he hit the pedal. I was doing it for about three minutes. He hit the pedal harder than I've ever seen a, a car move. He went literally zero to three hundred in three seconds. That hamster mobile flew, and it, and it was clear. I had clearly upset the individual. And I'm if you're watching this show, I'm very, very, very sorry. But I had to do it because it was very evident you didn't know what you were doing on the road. Uh, but shout out to that guy. It's always something new on my driving to Hamilton. You know, I used to be like that. I used to I used to get really upset about people driving slow. And then uh, as I've gotten older, I've certainly mellowed out. And I've started to realize that you don't get anywhere fast anyways when you're driving like anything less than an hour. It, it really, I mean, obviously if you're driving 25, 30, 40 miles an hour under the speed limit, certainly will make a little bit of a difference. But we're talking the delta here of a 15 mile yeah. an hour thing here. We're talking the delta of what, two minutes total? See, but I, I think I disagree with you. When, when, you're, when the drive's as long as mine, I've got it down to a science. Do you? I can get in here on a good day in 36 minutes. On an average day, it's about 41 minutes. And on a bad day, which was like today, it's, it's, about, 40, it's about 45 to 50 minutes. And you're just behind hmm. slow people the entire way. But my point is, I'm very sorry. I shouldn't ride people's rears when I'm uh, when I'm driving in. So that's my bad. That's if you if you were to have a, a situation maybe arise tomorrow where you get back on that same road in that same yeah. situation in that same car, and I know that you'll be well, in your same, same car, car. If it's the same car, I'm same do car, it again. same situation. Are you are you doing the uh, are you doing the exact same thing? Or are you yeah, gonna, or, are you going to be a little different this or time? Or I might cross double yellow and we'll just go from there. I I, I don't know. We'll see. I, hopefully it doesn't happen again. Hopefully they heed my advice and they just go the speed limit. That's all I ask. I don't ask for a lot. All right. Headlines from last night. The 15th ranked Baylor Bears took down TCU. Trey, 62-54. I believe the Bears went on a 19-3 run in the mm. second half. Right around the 10-minute uh, mark. They went on a 19-3 run to secure done. that victory. R.J. Davis of North Carolina set a Dean Smith center record with 42 points and their victory over the Miami Hurricanes. Wait a minute. That's a record in the Deans? Yeah. The Dean Dean Dome, right? 42 points. That's a record. Is that not shocking to you? No, I don't think so. 42 points. Is There's I mean. some great players that played in that arena. Sure. Or, or Dome. I sure, don't. but it's college basketball. I, I mean, it's, it's – I mean – if it's uh, if they score a hundred points in the game, most likely it's against like Evansville, and the, you take out your starters with five minutes left or something like that. I don't know. I I think that's I think that's okay. I think that's fine. I mean, forty two uh, is a lot. I, I'm not saying it's not a lot. I'm just I don't know. I guess it seemed like it would be more. That's all. When was the Dean Smith Center built? Is that is it relatively new or has that been there forever? 
I mean, now you're putting us on. A, well, okay. you're really putting us on the main stage at this point. I, I don't know 100, percent but I would assume that uh, maybe maybe that's maybe that's part of it. I don't know. Look it up. That's fine. Did well, Michael I, Jordan play? Uh, chat. Let us know. Did Michael Jordan play in this specific arena? I think he did. I think he did too. Uh, the Tar Heels win 75-71. Uh, Kansas State. I don't know if you paid any attention to this game whatsoever, but Kansas State was up 63 to 38 last night with 13 minutes left to play 63 to 38 West Virginia went on a 41 to 16 run to send it to overtime how many timeouts do you think they burned through how did bear every single one of them I dude I don't know but 63 to 38 with 13 minutes you can't hold on that's tough uh I guess they did technically manage to hold on they won it in overtime 94 to 90 uh, in just an absolutely preposterous game. But that's life in the Big 12, baby. Uh, the Knicks, I don't know if you watch NBA basketball. A lot of you don't. But the Knicks somehow managed to beat the Pistons in probably one of the craziest endings to a game I've ever seen in my entire life. 113-111 uh, was the final score. Now, Monty Williams, head coach of the Pistons, was disgusted in his presser. Uh, here's the clip. Here's the clip. Here's Monty Williams in the clip. Not happy at all, by the, the way. season. No call. And enough's enough. We've, we've done it the right way. <clears throat> we've called the, the league. Is if you watch this we've clip. seen clips. We're sick of hearing the same stuff over and over again. Do you again. see the thing that we he's actually to really upset game. about? <clears throat> That's what I and was And the wondering. guy dove into Asar's legs, and there was a no call. That, that's an abomination. You right cannot miss that about. in you an NBA the game. And then that's, Period. That, that's, and I'm tired that's of talking about it. Yeah. I'm tired of our guys asking me what more can we do coach that situation well, tell you what is they exhibit do. A I mean I if, if he's gonna to ask the question what more can they do uh, Casey run this clip back you again cannot you can dive into a guy's leg I'm complaining the whole time but let's 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 walk through what they could have done Elliot all right there's a, there's a shot missed shot I can't get the rebound throw it back in oh ball gets stripped right can't there. grab onto it I mean, we've had opportunities. Can't catch the ball here. I mean, you you had three or four opportunities there before you got fouled. I, I mean, I understand he's upset about getting fouled. But let's not act like they didn't have opportunities right there to close the game out without the refs getting involved. You think it was a horrible... Okay, question to you, Elliot. Yeah. Do you think that's the worst call all season long? No. I mean, I know you haven't seen every no. game, but... No, I, I mean, I, I can go in the NBA and find, like, 25 missed travels that are worse than that. Uh, and that's just that's just a fact. Uh, it, it, the Pistons are, are a wild team. They, by the way, the record, I don't know if you know the record, Trace, they are 8 and <laughs> yeah. 49. Yeah, right. Yeah, they are the... 8 and 49, but here they are complaining about a missed call here. Uh, but yeah, they, they play well, it's because of, they had their chance and, the, and, and they sure, felt like they had I, it. They to be fair of, to them, that's that's pretty frustrating, right? Yeah. You've only had what eight or nine wins all season. Yeah. You think you got one in the bag? Um, you know, you just weren't able to come up with some rebounds. They play a lot of close games, but that's that's wild. I, I mean, I, I've I've seen a, a few NBA game in my in my day, and that's that's pretty crazy how you can't secure the ball at all. Uh, outside of that, the Reds, Trace, the Cincinnati Reds, they play in Cincinnati, you know. But they're not in Cincinnati right now. They're in Arizona somewhere. Uh, they had two games yesterday. In game one, they were unable to score a run. The yeah. Mariners one-hit the legs in their 2-0 victory. Luis Castillo, uh, the return, he pitched two innings, striking out one, giving up a walk. Uh, and Jacob, you're going to have to help me again. Herdebees, come on. I, I just I mean, I just don't, Jacob have, I don't have that one in me. 
You do have it in you. Let's try it together. Let's work Jacob, on this together. Jacob Herdebees. Perfect. I All mean, right. that's excellent. So that was Nick Kirby's guy, Jacob Herdebees. Uh, he was the lone red to get a hit. I do find this very funny, the overreaction. Uh, somebody tweeted, the Reds, you know, the Reds, like if they win, they'll post a nice graphic. It's very cute. Um, and if they lose, they just like tweet out the words. And it's just the Reds lose to right. nothing. Somebody responded under that. Way to go, David Bell. You're only playing scrubs. Well, there's two spring training games going on at the same time, and I don't even know if he was at that game. I'm, I don't know which game he was at. Uh, Do you this, think there wasn't humor involved in that? In that? In no, that? In that? Post at most all, or no? There most certainly was, but there are real people on Red's Facebook that that, that believe. Well, that. I was gonna say, is it? Is it? Uh, well, I'm sure they've gotten rid of the egg accounts, but like, was it an egg account and was it all caps? Because if that was the case, then I think it was a real. Then it was someone that was really, was just, really I think upset. It was a real account. I think it was a real account. It was very, it was very funny. It made me laugh. Um, but this is speaking of David Bell. We have a soundbite from David Bell talking about some of the guys uh, thus far in spring training. Uh, we have talked a lot about the aura around this club. Uh, I know I probably going to get manager speak here, but thank you. Is it real? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it couldn't you couldn't ask for a better approach from our players. The work ethic, just the. The vibe. I mean, everything has been great. We've had great weather out here. We've gotten a lot of work in. Everyone's getting along. I mean, it's it's perfect. So so far, so good. And the main thing, the way it's showing up in the game, the way we're playing the game, is exactly what we want to see. We got a long way to go, um, but first two two and a half games here, playing hard. You know, playing together, doing the things that that we want to see. David Bell. Um... God love him. I mean, I I I I I sometimes wonder um, if he if he partakes in anything recreational. And I don't mean that <laughs> negatively. It's just that he's so cool, calm, collected, super laid back, and uh, for the most part, I I genuinely just wonder if he's in the same world we are at times. But. Again, that's no really disrespect. In fact, if anything, I, I give a lot of credit to David um, for being able to, to manage a ball club and be as optimistic and positive as you could possibly say. I mean, he, he, he basically right there acted like there was nothing wrong in the world. There's nothing wrong with the world. He's he, right. Utopia right there. He's, what's better than spring training baseball for these guys? Nothing. It's like a little vacation, except for the ones fighting for their lives trying to get paid uh, a dollar. But that's, that's, that's beside the point. And the games in the second game, the Brewers, they stood no chance. Boys won eight to three. Nick Martinez started. He went two innings, striking out two. He yep. allowed a walk. Rhett Louder, he pitched a near perfect inning, striking out two in his inning. Fairchild. Uh Stuart Fairchild. Yeah, what about him? What happened? And Reese Hines. Uh they both homered on the offensive side. Damn. And Ellie was two for three. Looks like he might not need to uh compete with Tony Kemp for that final roster spot. Well, as some in the media would We'll would, get to that. We'll get to that. Uh, shout out to shout out to Stuart Fairchild. This year, I have a feeling. I have a weird feeling that it's going to be like my my bit last year was Ian Jabot. It might be Stuart Fairchild this year. I'll have to I'll have to, I'll have to come up with a funny bit, uh, but he might actually contribute to the team in a high level. And well, I, I, I listen. It's spring well. training. Uh, I'm I'm not going to get like I said one side of the way or the other. I'm not going to get overly excited about guys that perform exceptionally well, and I'm not going to get too down on guys that don't perform all that well at all. Um, Certainly, if you don't get a hit in the entire spring training, there's there's cause for concern. And if you go out, like I've said before, and you hit 12 to 13 home runs in the spring, then, you know, I think that there's at least some cause for some optimism there. 
But most of the time, you just try to stay level-headed and you and you realize what it is. Some of these guys that they're facing will be, as the the saying goes, and in the uh, beautiful movie that is Major Leagues, they'll be bagging groceries in a week, uh, which is true for some of them. But the thing is, is that I, I just continue to try to find ways in which the expectation for some of these guys shouldn't be like, what is Stuart Fairchild's role for this team? It's to be a serviceable backup, a good platoon player at times. It's not to be, okay, like some high-level, high-producing everyday player, which somehow some way he seems to catch a lot of strays and I don't care what anybody says I still believe the Louisville bats uh threw a stray at him I know it was a joke I get it was I get it was a joke but I'm just saying it's a little bit of a stray like that's it's not purposely done and it's not a hateful thing I'm just saying it's without question a little bit of a stray when you say that oh I can't believe you know it's Stuart Fairchild not on the cover of uh, MLB the show that's like basically kind of like making a joke that yeah because in no world no ever would he ever be on the cover of it and that's the joke and that's and fun. that's the kind of the stray do, you, do we I mean do you not see that no I don't mm. I right. mean does he think he's gonna win the MVP award this year because if he does then we'll have a different discussion but I don't think he will uh, Josh Jacobs Saquon Barkley it looks like Reed's take is correct that running backs just don't matter in this league they will not be receiving any tags per sources. Uh, that's a tough look. That's a tough look for the I'm in love with running backs crowds like Trace is. Uh, just they don't matter whatsoever. Russell Wilson, they came. he came out in an interview yesterday. I believe it was with Brandon Marshall. I'll have to go back and look at it. Uh, came out in an interview how terrible the situation was uh, with the Broncos last season. Uh, but it was – I keep thinking back to it. How is there not a penalty for that? How is there not a penalty for the Broncos for intentionally losing Well, that's games? where this that's where the conversation, you know, previously when I was talking about the whole concept of the guarantee contracts isn't good for the league, but clearly you're you're going to have discussions and protections on both sides of the aisle with all of this and at some point it becomes muddy and there's greed on both sides. The players union certainly has greed at times, but let's not forget these organizations that we call franchises um, in the NFL are maybe clearly incredibly greedy and it's it's hard not to be as successful as these owners have become in their in their lives if they're not greedy to a certain extent there's no million well i say millionaire it's probably not true there's no billionaire ish esque person in the world that isn't fundamentally greedy in some capacity and that trickles down throughout an organization. And let's be honest, if you didn't see this interview with Russell Wilson, it's a little bit damning. It's very, in fact, I would say it's concerning more than anything. Uh, for those that didn't see it, he went on the uh, I Am Athlete podcast, and this is him having a discussion. It's a little lengthy. It's probably around two minutes. I'll let you listen to it in its full entirety, and we'll have a discussion about how, quite honestly, how crazy this is. I want you to listen to this, and then we'll talk about what, what actually transpired and how wild of an idea this was by the Broncos. Go ahead and play the clip. And so we beat Green Bay, Kansas City. We beat them. And uh, as you mentioned, that's when, as you mentioned earlier, that's when I got that call. And I was like, I'm confused what's going on. And I didn't believe it at first. I was like, this, this can't be real. And I got that call that, hey, we're going to bench you for the next nine games if you, know, you don't change the injury guarantee. So for me. But to be clear here, they, it's, it's not, they don't want to bench you because of play. 
They're saying they're benching you because they want you to take out the injury guarantee. Yeah, they want they yeah they want to re- push back my injury guarantee and remove it for that rest of the year. So that way, if I get injured, they don't have to pay it. But that's why, as a player, it doesn't even make sense to do that because you think of those Alex Smith moments, and then hell, you can even go back to college, like Willis McGahee, I believe it was, uh, at the U. One of his last games going into NFL, he tears everything in, or maybe it's Frank Gore, everything in their knee. I didn't want to set a, a precedent for players to remove their injury guarantees, too, as well. And so it, it was, it was no way I was going to do that. And so when they said that hey, we're, we're going to bench you, we're going to bench you, I said, all right, that, that's what you want to do. Bro, that's like extortion. Uh, how, like, you got the NFL PA involved attorneys involved like obviously well, like, I, I didn't want to but then then they kept saying it all the way throughout the week so then you know my agent talked to the NFLPA the NFLPA called me to ask you know and then they, they talked to the NFL the NFL was like this can't you can't this is illegal you can't do this and so then you know all the way throughout Saturday so I was just like sitting here I didn't know if I was going to play the following week. we had Monday night football against the Buffalo Bills the following week. So I'm like, am I going to play? Am I not? Like, so, 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 like, so you got Russell Wilson in his camp, and then you got the Denver Broncos, everybody looking at each other. Who's going to make the first move? You going to sign? You take it? No, I, I wasn't going to do it. You I wasn't going to blink? No shot. I ain't <laughs> taking my injury guarantee. But. So now I'm sitting there like, okay, well, we'll see what happens. So then the whole week, all the way, and I get back on Monday, I still don't know necessarily what's going to happen. And uh, on, that, on that Monday, that's when I meet with Sean. And Sean's like, hey, don't forget like nothing happened. We just you're gonna play this week against Buffalo. We got a big game against Buffalo. You gotta go win on Monday Night Football. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> so the the Broncos obviously seen some of the writing on the wall. They didn't believe in Russell Wilson. They didn't think that he was gonna be a quarterback that was gonna be able to lead them to any kind of uh, success. Certainly, we've already talked about it on this show and and through sports media landscape of how terrible of a trade and contract and the whole situation is for the Broncos and, and, and what they did to go get Russell Wilson. But the idea that you have a team basically trying to bully a guy out of a contract that, that, that they sign, like that's, that's, that's fair and square. You sign the deal. That's what it was. You got to live it out one way or the other. And that's where when players start to hold out, sometimes you can make the argument, well, that seems to be, counterintuitive to what we argue when the players want what they were signed in the first place. But the craziest part of this is he did not know that he was going to be the starter after going in and beating Green Bay, turning around and beating the Chiefs. Now, at the time, you might have thought the Green Bay Packers were probably not a great team. That made them 2-5 and five when they beat Green Bay. Turned around, they beat Kansas City, which has run that division for years, so you'd like to think that, wow, that's a pretty good win. Imagine a franchise coming in after those two wins and saying, hey, I know you've started the last two weeks and, and we've won football games, but we're gonna need you to we're gonna need you to wipe out this part of your contract or else we're just gonna start sitting you. He proceeds then to go into Buffalo not knowing that he was going to be the starting quarterback until that Monday. They go and they beat the Bills on the road. They then beat the Vikings. They beat the Browns. They're on a one, two, three, four, five game winning streak. And then they lose a close one to Houston. There was a chance that the Broncos would have been seven and five. 
Yeah. They would have been seven and five if they held on to that game in Houston and in all likelihood would have been a part of the playoff conversation without question. Yet two weeks before, they genuinely were trying to sabotage. I don't know what term you'd like to use, but they were genuinely trying to sabotage their starting quarterback. I I sometimes think to myself that this stuff just can't possibly go on in in the professional sports world. The things that you hear sometimes that the listen at the end of it all of it the sad truth about all this that I feel like I've come to you know 100% believe at all times is that it's a business and that's mostly what it is. I don't know if we should be is that is that a, is that something to be sad about or is that just something to be like hey that's just the way it is it's not a big deal. I think it is a big deal, and I and I, and I and I know there's some people in the chat saying it's a non-story. Shout out Craig, but I I think this sets a dangerous precedent going forward that a team can just willingly bench a player so they don't have to pay him because it's in the contract. Like I and, and I I think people were at the beginning of it when when this news was announced earlier in the season or when whenever it happened in the season um, that it was Russell Wilson's fault that he signed the deal. They do that, so when your player does have an Alex Smith type injury, like Brandon right. Marshall said, that they're that they're paid off significantly, that they they they, they still have a, a livelihood in the checks they receive after, and that sucks for the team. But that's part of the deal. It's football. Do you believe most of the chat? I, I say most, most isn't probably the right word here, but but some there, there, there's there's discussion going on now that essentially they don't feel bad for him because of the way he's performed underneath the contract and how much he's been paid. And that's my whole point. So that's my whole point with the guaranteed contract thing. <laughs> that that's my whole point is that at some point that can't be that can't be like a good thing because ultimately everyone just wants a fair deal, right? Like if if both sides of the aisle, if the player knew, you know what, I'm going to get play, paid genuinely what I'm actually worth. They'll sign that up. And, and so will the franchise. The hard part, obviously, is you don't know what that is, and you're both guessing on what your value is before it all starts, and then you, you do the contract, and then you find out at the end. Sometimes the player benefits more, and sometimes the ownership benefits more. But once the, once the deal is signed, it has to be, it has to be like kind of a, an, an agreement. You can't, you can't start to try to manipulate it no. just because you've underperformed in your contract. And the second part I would say to this is like, what about, what about the idea that you're essentially in the middle of your season doing this? When you have a chance at the yeah. playoffs. They had well, a chance. They, they didn't when they – that's yeah. the crazy part about this, Elliot. They did, they did not think they had a chance at all about the playoffs when they started this nonsense. They started this nonsense, quite frankly, right around the time where they were at the bottom of the league. And one could argue that they were trying to even do that maybe to start to sabotage the idea of getting better be, – better, better and better draft pick. I don't know if, if that's something that was even discussed behind closed doors, but certainly without question, ownership went to the head coach in, in uh, Sean Payton and basically told him, Hey, you're going to have to do this. What free agent wants to go to Denver now? Seriously. What, what big name free agents? Like, let me sign a big contract with the Broncos. The crazy and, thing and, is, and, is, I've always felt that way. But don't you think it just comes down to money at the end of the day? It comes I, down that, to money, sure. But but, but, but no one's going to – I guess what you're – I get what you're saying. And you, what you're saying has some, some validity to it. But how many times have we heard that? Like, you don't want to go here because of X, Y, Z, and then they're going to go there because they're just getting more money. Sure. And I guess what, what you would have to negotiate now is that the injury guarantee or whatever they called it, 
uh, the, the injury side of that contract is just part of the regular contract. So now it's just one big contract and you got to pay me no matter what. Because at some point it matters uh, it, it, what you sign matters. Ricky, Ricky said it in the chat. Why even sign the contract if you can do something like this? And I, and I don't fully understand how it was even allowed or how there's no penalty for it. Well, there's definitely going to be some, some lawsuits. I mean, that's 100% why the NFLPA is going to get involved in this. Because it's, I, but I think the NFL needs to come down. I think Roger Goodell needs to stop this. Well, that's 100% part of it. Because I, at some point, you're, you're losing the competitive balance of the NFL when you're just trying, when it's literally all about money. And I get your point that it's all about the it, it, sports are listed as entertainment. That's what it's an entertainment business. It's not a sports league, it's an entertainment business. And that's how they get out of stuff like this. But at some point, you do have to compete. You have to keep that competitive balance. And if you have teams weaseling out of contracts, when there is a decent chance you make the postseason, they had the tiebreaker over the Bengals. They had the tiebreaker over the Bengals for the for the for the playoffs. And they're going to bench their starting quarterback. Who I, I know everybody was saying. Well, that. they were. Let's be clear. They're they're because uh, Craig's in the chat. He's trying to defend. He's he's defending the. Um, He's defending the Broncos a little bit here and saying that they are upholding the contract. Well, what they're doing is they're trying to leverage the embarrassment factor and they're trying to leverage the willing the willingness to want to play yeah. to a guy to try to take out a part of his contract that he already negotiated that they don't want in there anymore. That is clearly unjust. 100% unjust. Um... He, he had, I mean, I, I'm not saying he was the world's greatest quarterback last season. He had 26 touchdowns, eight interceptions, completed 66% of his passes for a little over 3,000 yards in the games that he played. I'm not saying he was the world's greatest quarterback, I'm, but my God, he was serviceable. I'm confused on the timeline a little bit. When, when did they sit him? Because he played 15 games this year. Like he 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 played. No, he and then played. He, 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 they, they 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 continued to play him largely because I believe it became a it became a it became a it became well known to the public. When when did they decide to sit him? When 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 they, did they? They were do going that? to sit him for the for the uh, Monday night football game. The Monday night football game. I'm gonna look up the timeline really quickly just to make sure I don't mess this up because I mean they were they were seven and six at one point. Yeah, but at the time that they started having these discussions with him, it took it took a couple weeks for it to it, for it to materialize, right? So to be clear to you, Casey, they were they were one in five when he said they started bringing this up to him. Right. They yeah. then beat Green Bay and they beat Kansas City, and that's when he said he wasn't sure if they were going to kind of like decide to to back off of this, and he was waiting. In his words. He was waiting all the way up until Monday to find out if he was going to be the starting quarterback. And Sean Payton then told him, "Hey, you're going to be the quarterback. Let's just let's just kind of move along and then basically act like nothing nothing's happened." Huh. But the truth is is that they they clearly realized that that I mean rightfully so. And there's a lot of people in the chat right now taking the Broncos side. So maybe I I, I mean Well, I, I mean, how could you take the Broncos side genuinely? That seems crazy to me that you would take the Broncos side in this. And you know what it comes down to? It simply comes down to the fact that Russell Wilson isn't playing well. And if that's how you believe and that's how you feel, then have that same energy for everybody else that gets guaranteed contracts that doesn't perform, doesn't perform up to their standard either. Correct. So at some point, you know, be careful. That's all. I mean, be careful about the whole idea of sitting here saying that, well, if you're, if you're that terrible, getting paid that much money, 
then you don't deserve it anyways. And I mean, okay, well then be careful because you're going to have everybody screaming and yelling at you about how you're, you're anti-player and you're, you're pro owner and you're paid by ownership people. And you, you, you don't like guaranteed contracts, et cetera. That's my whole point about the whole thing. Uh, speaking of injustice, uh, I didn't, I didn't realize that I was going to care about, uh, the ACC, the Atlantic coast conference swimming championships. Oh, but turns out that I do. Turns out that I do. Uh, for those that don't know, uh, I got to be honest, I didn't see it live. Okay. I wasn't watching this live. Really? Um, you weren't watching the. Nope. Eight? Well, I wasn't. All right. But they were held yesterday, and Owen Lloyd was disqualified after winning the 1650 free. I, don't, I hope that's how you'd say it. I'm going to sound like a casual if not. But anyway, Owen Lloyd was disqualified after winning the 1650 free at yesterday's ACC championships. Here's Ross Dant who finished second and was crowned the winner, sticking up for the disqualification. We'll have a discussion about this and what ultimately maybe some of the dumbest rules in the world are. But check this out. I, have, I give this kid, Ross Dant, a ton of credit for standing up there and speaking, I guess, the truth. The strange one I know for you. Congratulations on one hand. Do you have any idea what happened and your emotions right now? I think that's the dumbest rule in swimming. Owen beat me fair and square. He used to be on that toe of the podium. He was excited. That's a huge swim for him, right? He earned that. He earned that, and that's his emotion, right? That's what we get in the sport of swimming when we do well. We train all year for a moment like that, and to have him disqualified, I think, is the dumbest thing ever. Do you mind He if works I so hard every day. He is going to be on that number one trophy. I am not going to stand up there. Ross, do you mind if I, uh, if I ask you what rule did he break? We haven't even heard of up here. Whenever you win, you're not allowed. Well, the other team, or excuse me, the other swimmers are still swimming. You're allowed, you have to stay in your own lane. You're not allowed to jump or cross over the lane line into someone's lane. And in his celebration, which he earned, he came over to my lane. Oh my God. No, he earned that fair and square. He will be getting that medal. Ross, well done. Thank you, Ross. Thank you. Thank you for spending some time with us, giving us the insight there on that uh, technical uh, ruling. You can hear the crowd. So there was still a lot of time. They were over 50 yards ahead of most of the combatants. Uh. And this is the point we're talking about with this technicality. But that's what you do when you win. I'm sorry. Listen, there's not a lot of rules that I have a problem with. That I have a problem with. All right. So essentially what happened is. He's racing against the fastest swimmers, which are in the middle, right? When you qualify, you get to choose your lane. And I don't know enough about swimming to get in here into the exact specifics as to why, what lane you choose, et cetera, et cetera. But more times than not, because of the wake in the pool, more times than not, the fastest swimmers swim towards the middle. He was swimming with the other fast swimmers. It's a longer race, so it takes a little bit longer to finish for some than others. So there's at least a decent sizable gap. He finishes the race, realizes he beat essentially who he was genuinely racing right next to him, decides he gets a, he, you know, he got excited, sits up on the, uh, you know, the little streamers there that are in the middle of the, the middle of the deal. And he's disqualified because he essentially put his foot over in the other lane while the swimmers on the very end who are slow and aren't very good at swimming. Well, that's disrespectful to them. But my point is they're not, they're not even relatively close to finishing in time somehow makes it to where he's disqualified. Now, this made me think for a second of two things that I take away from that. One is, 
I get there's a reason rules are rules. I'm not I'm not sitting here suggesting for a second that every single rule needs to be accounted for in regards that there needs to be a gray area or there needs to be somebody that that makes a decision. But it seems more and more increasingly obvious that there are times in which when you have major sporting events that that there that there there needs to be a, a semblance of common sense, a semblance of it. I don't know what official decided they were going to pull that out of the cards, but you can't feel good as a person or an official. In fact, I would. Am I wrong on this by thinking we'll make it the chat poll question of the day? Why not? Am I wrong in thinking that th that you are a bad official if you decide to use a technicality? When you know that it's irrelevant, the rule is irrelevant in that situation, and you use it to basically disqualify or make it a point. Yeah, that's horrible. I, I, I've never seen that, – that happened last night, I assume? Mm -hmm. That was interesting. I, I've, yeah, that's preposterous. That's the dumbest rule ever. And if you, if you are an official who calls that, uh, you should be in prison too, respectfully. Not maybe actual prison, but like sports prison. Uh, that, I, I, I mean, when it has absolutely nothing to do – with what happened in that race, I don't understand why he couldn't do it. I don't, I don't get that. that. That's still baffling to me. That's a, that might be the dumbest rule in sports. That's one of them, certainly. It, what, what is it, what, why are we so against kids and players having emotion when they play sports? I, 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 and I understand the concept of sportsmanship. I do understand that part of it. But why, why do we always like – I've heard the term a thousand times in my life. Act like you've been there before. Well, you you might not have ever been there before. Yeah. And on top of that, like you train so you you dedicate so much of your life to something specific. And the idea that you shouldn't be able to show emotion or get excited, the bat flipping in baseball, the 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 uh, genuine reactions you might have after hitting a big shot in basketball, when you dunk on top of somebody in basketball. Whatever sport it is, you could find an instance to where you could realize that, you know what, let him celebrate. Let him have some fun. If he would have jumped in that lane next to him and it would have been, you know, essentially the same lane as somebody racing and they were competing and Correct. trying to and trying to and trying to finish, we call we all can agree that that obviously is the reason the rule exists. But that again has to come down to some decision maker deciding to lay down the law. The kid that hit a grand slam, Craig points out in the chat, he he hits a grand slam in a game to tie the game, and he and he and he bat flips and he gets ejected for it. It's thrown out of the game. It's like what are we what are we trying to accomplish? Do we think sportsmanship? First of all, this new generation of athletes, if you want to call it that, they're not cut from the same cloth, if you want to call it that, as two, three, four generations ago. They don't believe the unwritten rules should exist. They think a lot of the stuff that people want to talk about is dumb. You know why? Because it is dumb. The idea that you can throw a baseball at somebody and hit them on purpose because they, they got excited because they hit a home run off of you is the most idiotic and ridiculous thing that exists in sports, in my opinion. And, the, and, the, and again, you mentioned it earlier. This is an entertainment business. The whole point of sports is to enjoy yourself, have fun, and compete. And, I, and, and listen, as someone that loves competing, I don't know why people would get all that irritated by somebody else celebrating what they accomplished. Certainly, there's a line in the sand that we could all agree upon as to where you cross the line and you make it personal on the other side. But... 
most of the time, if not nearly all the time, we try to become offended in this country over things that people aren't trying to be offensive about. The bat flips are not even about trying to, they're not even trying to show up the pitcher. They're just pure excitement from what you just accomplished. The kid won the race and simply literally just wanted to sit on the, 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 uh, the streamer there and get excited. And, and he was, that was obviously an accomplishment that he hasn't had in his life. And yet we say, well, he's disqualified because the kid down there at the end that doesn't, that doesn't swim as well as him still isn't finished. It seems preposterous. Uh, and it made me think today here before the show started, what are some of the dumbest rules in life? So we went from something that's relatively serious to something that's probably not going to be all that serious at all. And that's fine. That's what you can get on off the bench. Elliot, you, you made a list. Do you, you made a list of some preposterous things. Yeah, I did. Do you want, can I read some of the, uh, some of the dumbest rules in sports real quick yeah. before we get into that? Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. Why not? So I, Trace and I played a tennis match. If you'd like to see that, you just become a member and you can, you can just see it anytime you want. It's about an hour long, 45 minutes. Uh, and I won't spoil what happens in it, but I kick Trace's ass. But the point, one of the rules in tennis that's that's crazy is if you accidentally yell or if you, you accidentally say anybody. something during a point, the point's then over and you lose the point. That's a rule in, that's a, actually, that's a real rule in tennis where if you accidentally yell, you let out a yelp, some, some sort of noise, if you hit your racket against the ground, any kind of noise, hindrance, uh, they will they will take the point away from you. That's a weird one. Unless it's a grunt, right? Like a, ugh! Yeah, something yeah. like that. Uh, a dropped third strike in the MLB, I still think this is the dumbest rule ever. Can yeah. I try to change your mind quickly on that one? On that one? Sure. Yep. So in baseball, I used to think that was uh, semi-goofy as well. Until somebody told me that baseball, uh, the sport itself, is essentially the only way to get an out in baseball is to have a put out. Someone has to catch the ball for you to get out. Sure. No? That doesn't I do it for I, you? That doesn't do it for me. That doesn't do it for me at all. I, all right. Well, I was just if, trying if to If you're going to strike out on a pitch that's so bad that nobody can catch it, you deserve to be out. That's, that's, at, least, that's at least my opinion. Um, it's definitely dumb in Little League. I'll give you that. Fumbling into the end zone. This is a controversial one. Yeah, uh, I don't think that's bad. I don't know if it's bad. I think it's, I think it's, I think it's a little bit silly, though. How an offense can take 15 minutes off the clock, drive all the way down there, and then in the end zone, you fumble it out of the end zone, and then boom, other team has the ball. I don't know. I, there's something about that rule. I'm not saying it's the worst rule ever, but it is a strange one. The offensive charge in basketball. I think this one's silly. Get rid of it. And they pretty much did. Uh, and that's pretty much all my dumbs. Do you have any more sports ones? Craig brings up some. Um, I, I, Chad, if you got any you'd like to chime in with, we'll certainly have discussion about it. Craig says, what about the, the being called for going out of the baseline? Um, I think that the baseline rule, there's, there, the problem with, with umpiring is that if you give too much, what's the term to use here? If you give too much gray area in something and it becomes an interpretation, then it's hard to define exactly what's fair and not fair. So the whole line, the bat, the base runners line on first base in regards to the, the, the baseline rule on the bases itself, I'm completely fine with the three foot. That's actually a, a gray area to where the, the, the umpire has to make a jurisdiction of the three feet right and or left of the, of the intended baseline that the runner creates. Um, which sometimes to be honest, people don't understand that rule, but that's okay. But when you strike out or you lay down a bunt, I don't love the concept that if you're barely touching the line, you're, you're out 
in Major League Baseball. Yeah. Um, because I don't think that you're really in the way sometimes, and it just becomes like a technicality. But I guess rules are rules to a certain extent on that, to where if you start to make that gray area, well, then you're going to get somebody that says, well, look, it affected the play on this, and they didn't call it, and it didn't affect the play on this, and they did call it. So that's probably why you get in a situation of that. Um, Infield fly rule is a good one. That rule sucks. No, it doesn't. Yeah, it does. Do you, How do you – How? Do you remember that, remember that Braves game uh, in the postseason? I think they were playing the Cardinals because it's a subjective rule. Because if, if, I believe they called infield fly rule – when they were out in shallow left field. Right. Well, that's not the, the problem with the inflated flight rule as well from a rule standpoint is that it's not actually an infield thing. It's it's basically deemed as a a routine pop-up that's going to be caught and then therefore it's protected by the the uh, the infield fly rule because of uh you know, basically the the decision if you will of uh, whether or not the player wants to drop it on purpose and turn a double play. You have to protect the runners. If you if there's a pop-up in the middle of the infield, with less than two outs, you in in runners on first and second, or the bases loaded, you're you have to protect the runners. There's there has to be a rule for that. Now, it comes down to the umpire, and the reason that you're saying that you don't like it is because the umpires sometimes botch that call, and they need to make it clear as soon as as soon as they're in a situation where they think it's routine that it's an infield fly, so the runners know. That's fair. You but, just don't like the way the umpire. What about Pause it versus the rule. What about bunting with third strike being called out on that? I'm fine with that because then you can you can stop you could stop the opposing team from running pitch counts up if you have somebody up there that can at least be That's serviceable fair. bunting the ball foul ten times in a row. Three batter minimum. I like that rule. I don't know. Strategy. If I All right. I don't that, like coming in. Uh, Casey, I love these dumb rules. ones in soccer. How these are great rules, and you're you're saying they're bad. How they can all flop all the time and nobody gets called for any punishment. I mean, that I, seems. Yeah, like I think that it, that is a legitimate uh, gripe that most people have. But people that watch soccer. I mean, okay, so that's just, a good dumb rule. It is a dumb rule. It's I mean, a dumb rule I mean, that you can't get punished. It's a there is a rule that you can get punished for. It's never imposed. Okay. That's the problem. All right. Any other dumb rules in sports for you, or can we go to the other thing? Um. Mm, no, we can go to the other yeah, thing. Let's go to the other so side. you, well, well, we have, I have three dumb rules in life. I'll start with my first one, and then we'll get to yours because you have you have a pretty good amount here that I see. Uh, mine is taking off shoes in in houses. That's a dumb rule. I hate that rule. That's a dumb rule. Now, I understand that some people really like to keep their houses clean, et cetera, et cetera. But it just uh, it just seems kind of. Um, this the the vibes are off. It feels like if if I feel like I I'm asked to take my shoes off. In somebody's That's house. That's fair. No, am I being disrespectful? No, I think by I, that, I mean it depends. It, listen, now let me be very clear. Not all shoes. Let me let me protect myself a little okay. bit from people that are going to get mad for me saying this because they don't want people in their house with their shoes on. I understand the reason for it. If if you're disrespectful enough to go in someone's house and you have like mud on your shoes and all this crazy stuff, then sure, yeah, you're you're the idiot. Then then you take your shoes off and you help out. But it just seems like I don't know. I just don't like it. Not a big fan. Yeah, that's a, that's a fair one. It, now, not all shoe is the same. So if you're coming in there with hiking boots, uh, please Again, leave. Again, mud. Leave, please, I know, but I'm just saying, please leave your shoe at the door. What if, you're, what if, if you your have, hiking if, boots are straight off, the, straight off right out of the, the box and you didn't even ever warn them and you walked up to the steps well, with them on? Maybe I still don't even I – don't, I don't want any kind of what hiking What the hell boot. do you have against hiking boots? I'm just it, – it's a shoe that I don't trust on my carpet, no matter <laughs> okay. if it's clean or not. Right. Uh, that's fair. Go ahead, your next one. 
Uh, you want me to run through my whole list? Oh, I thought we were you, you doing gonna, shop we, for gonna, shop? we can bounce around. Yeah, we're doing shop for shop. Okay, I'll do my. I'll do one of mine. Yeah. Uh, I think the double dip in salsa is is a dumb rule. <laughs> I don't that understand. So if you have a chip and you're double dipping in the salsa, I think that's okay. Your rules yeah. are. You are the worst at this. You no, I'm. Who I'm who really who, who 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 champions double dipping more than Elliot? Because Rearing? I, I what people don't understand with double dipping is you that look like a double dipper. There's multiple. You are a double dipper, aren't you? There's multiple sides of the chip, so you can dip one one chip in there. Get it, and then use the other side to dip again. You so think you're you, you think you're smart on this? You're using your hand that your your fingers, your grimy mitts that you've no. already touched that chip, and now you're gonna put your grimy mitts inside it's, the salsa. You're not putting your mitts in anything. Yes, you are. You're no. putting all your just well, diseased and bacteria Well, somebody touched the fingers. chips to put it in the bag that you are then eating out of. So then your your argument's whole your argument. You don't hard. have to. You can shake Double the bag. Double dipping and, is not as bad as everybody says. Now you can't obviously you can't take one massive dip. And then do it right back again with the same side. But if you just rotate the chip around, we're fine. That's what I'm talking about. That's what it needs to be uh, socially acceptable. Casey, you got one? Uh, taxes. <laughs> I mean, that's just the stupidest thing ever. Because it's not the, the act of giving the taxes. It's the act of trying to figure out, you know, the amount of taxes that you owe. When the government already knows. Yeah. I mean, that's the stupidest thing ever. Just... Give me the bill and I'll pay the bill. That's seriously that simple. Uh, uh, Casey's Alex going out of limb. We we okay, Casey's. I don't know that. I, I listen. I don't know too many people that are pro tax. Seems, I, I, seems, I'm, not, seems, I'm not really pro tax either. I know. No, no, you're not pro tax. I'm saying you're you're saying that the dumbest rule. Thomas rules are taxes. Yeah. I don't know if you're gonna get a whole lot of pushback it's on like, that. Yeah. Um. Uh, another one that I have is uh parents paying for weddings. That's a good one. I, I don't like. I, I think that's just like a goofy rule. Like, oh, it, and it usually turns out to be it's the uh, father, right, of yeah, the of the bride. of the bride that pays. It just seems that seems. Uh, I don't get that. I, I don't I, understand that at all. I, I do think, think that rule. there's like. I don't know. I, I, I'm trying to be nice about this, but it just seems like it's one of those things where if you want to, if you want the wedding, that's fine. Um, but. Why why does it have to fall on the lap of somebody that has no control over how big or small or how much of a wedding you want? For someone who just went through a wedding, I'm very glad that that rule exists. Very happy. But yeah. again, that that my I wouldn't I wouldn't do what I mean, my my wedding was great. It was fantastic, but I would not have made it as big as and extravagant to keep costs down if it was me and Alex having to pay for it. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, desert, you have to have dessert after dinner. I think you should have dessert whenever you want. I think if you want a cookie before dinner, you can feel free to have that. Is that a rule you implement, Trace, in your household? That you, you can't have a cookie until after you eat your, veg your veggies and all that? Is that a rule? How do you parent? I, I, listen, I don't do a very good job of parenting, if we're being completely honest, <laughs> when it comes to that. Um, there are times where I think that my ancestors would be rolling over in their graves if they seen how I had conducted a dinner, which is, Hey dad, can I do this? Can I do that? And the answer most times is yes. Um, like I have a Swedish fish before dinner. I never understood the concept of forcing kids to eat food. They, they genuinely can't stand, I guess is what I'm getting at. Yeah. And maybe that's uh, me being soft. Maybe that's why this generation is uh, that's growing up is just soft. I don't know. But um, I, I, I've never bought into that. Now, as far as there being sugars and eating whatever you want, no, I don't believe in eating whatever you want. No. 
Okay. So you're against dessert before dinner. I would say that if they wanted to have ice cream while they were eating their mac and cheese and they ate their mac and cheese with their ice cream, then I would be fine with what? it. I could care less if they That's ate That's significantly the worse. What do you mean? So you're going one scoop mac and cheese, one scoop ice cream? It's up to the kids. That's savagery. If they want to eat the ice cream That's before. That's savagery. We still have to have boundaries now. We can't just go dinner and desserts the same thing and just throw them all together in the same bowl. I I, I think that you're underestimating. Oh, that's I think you're I think you're underestimating children. I don't you must know. Have, you must not be around children and what they decide I, they, what I they try will, to stay so far what they will eat together what they will. You're right. Eat. I try to stay far away from children. Um, we <laughs> have another one thing. of mine is a so this is the dumbest rule of all time, and I'll stand by this. If it's a green light, and I'm turning right. The people, the pedestrian that's walking across the crossroad, they Ooh. should not have the right of way. I agree with it's, this. This is a green. It, I have the green. Green means go. I'm going. It doesn't mean it doesn't mean the walker over here or the bike rider, whoever's on this side of me, can just go walk in front of the road. That's not what that means. If I have green light, I go. And left too. Let's not forget. If and you're left. if you're yielding left, if you're turning left, and you have oncoming traffic, oncoming traffic, and you're trying to turn left. And there's a runner that's coming down the road. I think that it's preposterous to think that you should be able to not only be able to yield to your left, but then also be able to see your surroundings everywhere. It seems as if it would be a little more wiser to me personally. If there were like, uh, and again, certain cities could do certain things based off the amount of pedestrians they have. Yeah. But maybe there's just a small glimpse in time where the whole entire traffic stops completely for pedestrians. So everybody crosses the road at the same time, Correct. both ways, doesn't matter. It's a baby. It's a 15 seconds between it, every single light. And then that's just the way in which pedestrians can safely get across the road. It seems crazy to me that in our society that we've, we've decided to make the pedestrians have the right of way, but then also say, well, at the same time, if there's not a pedestrian, then cars are good to drive through there. I agree. Seems like a bad idea. That's a dumb rule. That's one of the dumbest rules. And it honestly infuriates me. I've almost hit many people. Uh, on that and road. then they think you're a jerk when yeah. you just haven't you genuinely didn't see them like I didn't see you over here to my right I'm looking at my light um, another one recycling that one's stupid really you're, you're anti-recycling yeah because I know what happens you better when, be careful when, because I know what happens when when you recycle the uh -oh. recycling is, truck you're gonna get yourself canceled. the recycling truck will dump that you're gonna recycling. get yourself canceled by that somebody recycling truck will dump the recycling you're, stuff you're into just a regular garbage truck i've goes. seen yeah. it happen on the road you're lost you, I've you're, seen you are gonna get trashed no i'm not i've seen it happen when you recycle that's just going straight into the dump you're not oh, saying you are gonna get absolutely hammered the by the green community i know that there's a small population of people out there that are gonna be all over you they're gonna try to get you canceled now I, I do think what Elliot's are you scared is, by that? So so Fergie, are you scared at all over there? No, I'm not. Fer, no, Fergie mm. Fowler she says recycling frees up so much of the regular garbage, and that's how most people recycle. It's just an alternate garbage can, but and that's what it's supposed to be. It's just supposed to be an alternate. It's not like saving the earth because when I <laughs> oh I, you are I, no you I, are full fledged canceled. Keep going. I'm no, watching well, you drown in your own. Your own misery as we no, speak. No, 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 I'm, I've seen it happen. I've been driving behind a recycling truck. The recycling truck will then pull over. They will call their friend the garbage truck. The garbage truck will get right by him and say, hey, I'm going to put some of this stuff in yours and we'll just share. And that's what they do. 
So then there's so this is some world uh, world peace thing where we're all trying to recycle, <laughs> and, and it doesn't work. My dad recycles and he stands by it and it doesn't work. This sounds like a guy that's seen something random that one employee did at Rumpke. Uh, no free ads, but or waste management, whoever else is in the world that, that takes care of trash. This sounds like a guy that accidentally seen somebody do something they weren't supposed to do one time and believes that everybody does that. There's no way that you're an expert on trash. Everett says it's because it's all contaminated. That's what that's what happens. And Molly just chimed in. Shout out to Molly, member for four months. Please take Elliot on the free tour of Rumpke's recycling facility. He That'd be good wrong. content. Yeah, but Molly, they know that people are taking that free tour, so they're going to clean it up real nice. I know how this game is played, Molly. They're going to take you there. They're going to show you all the nicest parts. That's not what hap that not it's not what happens in real in the real world. Uh, so recycling dumb rule. You actually believe for a second that it, that it doesn't make any difference at all. Genuinely. I this is the same type. I'm getting the same vibe that I've gotten when I looked at you in that in that in that same face when you said you could win the Masters in ten years, I don't I don't think that it's a, I don't think this is a bit, which oh. is which is preposterous to me sometimes. You you amaze me at at, at certain points in my life. You have amazed me. You have you have certainly taken it to heart that you think that these guys decide that they're going to go through the hassle of doing the recycling thing as some big mirage. And then when they get back to Rumpke, they just team up and they just throw it all in the same place. That's what you're suggesting to be very clear. I Listen, go ahead. Again, and just, I want to hear your, your 100% on one side of the aisle or not. Yeah, I'm on one side. I think it's all rigged and I think it's a scam. I think recycling's a scam. And, I, and, and again, people are going to look at me and they're going to say, Elliot, you don't know what you're talking about. You're a dumb little guy. And that's fine. I might be. But I know what I've seen. I know what I've seen. The same people who believe in ghosts. If you've seen a ghost, you've seen it. I can't take it away from you. Are you a Bigfoot guy now while we're on the, the subject of crazy uh, I don't know. That one, clip, that one clip that always goes viral is very damning. That one clip of Bigfoot that, that goes viral every year, it's, it's very damning. Uh, what, about the paper, what about the plastic straws, Trace? What about the what about the paper straws? I'm you not doing this today. Straws? If you're gonna try to put me in the box of cancellation by people that are very passionate are about this, I'm not doing it. Okay, I'm pleading the fifth on all of this stuff. I'm not. I in fact, what I'll say is, uh, I'm not knowledgeable enough in this subject area to even have an opinion. I have zero clue about what goes on in the oceans. I have zero clue what goes on at the landfills. I genuinely don't have a clue. I am very not. I, I'm very thankful that we have other people in this world that are passionate about that to where it hopefully during my lifetime and i guess if i'm supposed to care about my kids and my grandkids and great grandkids lifetimes i'll assume that what they're doing is trying to make sure that this is a better place for everybody to live as i pass along and i and i leave this planet earth there are certainly times though i must admit that we as human beings kind of trick ourselves into thinking we're more important or smarter than we actually are we float around on this big rock, mm. and by big, it's really not that big in the grand scheme of things, and we think that we can stop everything, and we think we're smarter than everything, and there are times where, yes, I do kind of chuckle at the idea of what humans do sometimes to think that they're making a difference, but I'm not going to get into the nuts and bolts of what all those things are, I'm gonna but say I'll this. just say, I'm gonna say plastic this. straws, paper straws. I don't know enough me, about it. Yeah, I, I know a little bit about it. I, I'm a, a scientomologist. I, I, I've taken a paper straw, and I've seen some a little kid, and this is no knock, but I've, I've gone to Hilton Head Island. My family goes every year, 
I've seen a little kid throw his paper straw into the ocean, and what happens? A turtle eats it and chokes on it. Did it die? I don't know. I never got to see this whole story. But I know a turtle ate a paper straw. Now, again, I, people are going to throw this in and be like, Elliot, they're trying their best to save them. I don't think so. I think they eat that paper straw, and I think they still die the same way they do a recycling straw. Or a uh, plastic straw, sorry. Uh, my final rule is uh, leaving the key under the... Oh, I have two rules, actually. Leaving the key under the mat, dumb, because everybody knows it's under the mat. I mean, if, if imagine being a burglar. Imagine the wet bandits in Home Alone not checking under that mat first. Is this because not really a rule? This that is, is a rule. That's a rule. When you when you when this you give when you give out somebody into your house and you let like a babysitter or whatnot. Yeah. Hey, check under. I left the key under the mat. You can get in that way. I think we still have a key under our mat. Actually, I think I might need to change that because now if anybody knows where I live, they can certainly get into my home. But everybody knows this, and everybody's home. Who's running the graphics, by the way? We need to put it on dumb rules. We've been on this for like 30 minutes. Well, I... I Go I, ahead. I, keep I, going, I though. It, I got it. Keep going. Uh, so, I listen, I, I I think that 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 rule needs to change. I think you should be like, leave leave the key in the plant under the dirt, under the soil. Is that where your place is? Yeah, yeah, you're going to leave a shovel for them so they can try to figure yeah, out a way to get to it? it I mean, this seems gonna pretty difficult. It, you're going to have to do it the hard way. You're going to have to do it with your hands. You're going to have to <laughs> dig all in there. Um, yeah, so you get your grimy mitts all dirty so you can double dip your chips and salsa. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. Alex. Yes, and then you go straight for the chips and salsa. Uh, and my final one is no swimming after you eat. I, don't, I never understood that rule. What's the point? Is that so Isn't you know an old wives' tale? I think it's a little overrated, but I think that there's some merit to it. I, if, you, if you eat a lot and then you swim really, really hard, I would assume that there's a chance that you could start to kind of uh, – cramp and your food's not digested but for the vast majority of people they're just getting in the pool and they're relaxing so it's a dumb rule okay, yeah those, those it's a dumb rule one. my last dumb rule that i have and i'm sure there's many more in the in the, in the world uh is that uh air airbnb cleaning fees no free ads but um we all we all know that no one's cleaning the place so what what's the point of having the cleaning fee is it genuinely because they're supposed to hire somebody to clean every single time somebody leaves but we all know that that's not the case. That's right. Yeah. That seems to be a, a complete and utter way for two things. One, they know that the, the, the homeowner gets a little bit of that money. But this is a back-filtered way of, uh, of really getting Airbnb more money, clearly. That seems to be the case. And don't get me started on colleges and fees and books and all that because that's the biggest scam in the world is college. But we'll, 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 we'll get to that maybe another day. I've got a couple of rules in my, uh, that I have written down here. No elbows on the table. I think that no is elbows the, on the table. Yeah, when you're eating, one. I think that's the dumbest rule ever. Um, yeah, I agree. I, I, I like just what are we doing? Why, we why is that even younger a, generation? A thing? No manners. How, how you like what? what how, why is that? Why is that bad manners? Like most most of the time, you're spread out far enough to where you're not touching elbows with people. We're not yeah. like surrounded at a. a, a, a a small table with but a lot like of people, people will it's... say this if you've got dirty elbows and you're putting all over my nice little linens oh. on, on the on the table yeah and you're getting dirt all in there i could see i could Grimy see somebody elbows. complaining but yeah i, I have no problem with elbows on the table i don't i mean why can't we just live as humans that's what i always wonder like why can't we just be normal people we got to always act like we're uh, uppity up or we got all these little nuances that that uh, it, it's genuinely a way to make uh, people that um want to feel like they have something over others because they're more important or they're they're smarter or something like essentially that's what it all comes down yeah. to right i mean let's face it like fine dining you got to have all the forks and the knives and all the stuff in the right way it's like ah, i mean come on and then what i got we, what are we what are we really doing here other than just trying to 
impress other people because we're we're um we're not self-confident enough to believe that i can just show up to dinner and eat my dinner in somewhat of a respectful manner now if you're out there just chomping your food with your mouth wide open and you're just you know i don't know being completely disrespectful certainly that's one thing but the idea that you know your forks aren't in the right place yeah it's nonsense i mean yeah, that I, seems a little overkill fact, that seems like something that you know the guys like elliot would want to do when they go to their nice their nice beautiful country clubs and their tennis centers and all that it's a little not, not, not yeah. to do a, a little story time here i'll try to keep it short and sweet but back when i was dating i had a girl tell me on like our third date when we went over to her parents house i needed to be like etiquette etiquettely sound like know where to place my forks yeah. and stuff and uh, did weird. you leave like at that very moment or what did you yeah, did I you know, go I through with through, it or I, I went through with it and i guess i passed with flying colors at the time but... turns out to be alex no it was not alex. <laughs> <laughs> it was not alex's family but uh yeah it was that, that was just a weird experience being told like you need to be a certain way at the dinner table just is very odd to me the other two that i have are toiletry things that i'm sure many of the men will feel for this uh oh shutting toilet lids and keeping the toilet paper over and not under no i'm an under guy under, are you, are you an over or under guy i, I under <laughs> seems to be significantly better i've never yeah, paid under is better right ever. like i've never paid attention to this ever if you do over and you try to rip it fast <clears throat> more of it comes out i agree if you keep it under it has a place for it to kind of like catch 100 percent. all right uh we have the first uh, first chat poll question of the day was uh are you a bad ref if you use technicality to disqualify someone in a race the answer was yes 67 percent no for 33 percent for those that can't keep the 100 percent math in hand uh second poll question of the day why not uh toilet paper over or under toilet paper i'm an under guy it, never, seems, I, to be, it seems to come off the roll much, much simpler. Also, if you pull too much of it out, much simpler to just to wind it back a little bit to where it kind of just simply sits. If it's over, you try to wheel it back. It gets all, you know, offline. It, it just creates a mess. It doesn't it just, I don't know. I don't know. How we got here on Off the Bench, one shall not know. All right. Um, we're going to do an ad break. Let's do an ad break. When we come back, when we come back, there has been discussion. There has been rumors. There's been people that have believed that these rookies are somewhat getting more benefit than they deserve. That's next on Off the Bench, right after this ad break. That's you, Casey. Take that, it away. That was really good. And also, That's... Casey, real quick, this is per uh, Sean Connor. Jeremy Rout says Bengals are prioritizing cornerback, offensive tackle, interior D-line in the first round. Pass catcher is still an outlier. High interest in finding a new punter in some capacity, uh, so we can bang that 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 topic into the ground again. We can just go back on the T Higgins bandwagon uh, and hope something changes there, because it's very clear based on that statement that T Higgins will play for the Bengals this year. Yeah, if the plan is not to replace him. I think that that kind of spells out unless they're blown away. Yeah, but like I said, like it would have to be an outrageous trade. Preposterous. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think the one that most people are going to be surprised with is the cornerback room. And I I am never going to be upset if the Bengals are drafting first-round corners. I don't think there there's a, a world where I would be upset with that. No. Much like the edge rusher position, like, you get athletic guys, you get top, t top talent corners 
every year. You try to stock them up as much as you can. So then your room is solid. You have depth there. And I think that's what the Bengals should do. I mean, I, if, they, if they have a guy that falls to them, that could be a starting quality corner. It doesn't even really have to be a starting quality corner. Cam Taylor Britt is already our number one corner. Future star. Yeah, future star, Cornhusker. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I like the idea of uh, just stacking the secondary room. It got torched a lot last year and partially because of the, the safeties, but I think they, they're starting to figure that out too. And um, hopefully if they get more, more depth there, they can uh, just maybe slide Dax Hill yeah. into, uh, into a, a, a slot area and then they don't have to worry about Mike Hilton. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Your wife chimed in. She says you don't replace the toilet paper in your house. Is that true? Um, no, that is not true. I replaced the toilet paper. Well, she's she saying, is the one that she's does saying, not. She's saying you don't. So who? Oh my god, we're, we're we're not gonna do this over air. I'm the one that replaces it. I don't know if you. I I am the one that replaces it. I'm the know. one who knocks. You are the one who knocks. Yeah. Uh, Bengals report because we just talked about the Bengals. Brought to you by Encore Technologies. Whoa. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for solutions. a data center data world. Data center world. With a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop data centers, data center. supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing modules to improve efficiency and... Productivity. Boom. Uh, the path to innovation begins here. Visit Encore.tech. I know I say that backwards every time, but it's just stuck in my mind that way. So it's going away. It's going to be. so. And then the other lovely sponsor that we have, besides UDF, is Pawnee Water. Hear that? Hear that lovely... Lovely water in this bottle. I hear it's it. Pony it sounds water. refreshing. Is it, it, is, sounds like. it is the elixir of life. Pawnee water. Made right here in Hamilton, Ohio. Using natural limestone filtration. Unlike the artificial processing other brands use. The result is a healthy alkaline water. And some say the best tasting water in the in world. In the world. In the world. Visit Pawnee water at P-A-H-H-N-I water.com to see where you can buy this great tasting water. Get your coffee from UDF. Swish it down with some Pawnee water. Technology solutions from Encore.tech. Back to you, our host, Trace. Casey, that was eloquent. <clears throat> Very eloquent. Maybe the best ad read you've had uh, in the history of your game. Thank you. Maybe. I don't know. I've not seen them all, but that was one of the top. All right. Um, we have, uh, what, what would we call this? Um, we keep it real on Hoff the Bench. We have a, a beat writer that um, Gordon Wittenmeyer, is that his name? I believe that's his name. Gordo. G-Dub. G-Dub, Gordo. Uh, and here's the thing. You know, I, listen, I've seen it. I've seen it. And the guy, I think I think the guy does this stuff on purpose, if we're being completely honest. I think that he's kind of smart, if I had to guess. I think he's wise as to what he's doing. I don't think that this is just some made-up thing um, or some accidental thing. We certainly know what his uh, where his allegiances lie, perhaps, as a, as a hardcore fan, and that is with the Chicago Cubs. He does co-host a podcast with the Cubs. We do, we do, we know all this. Some people get, uh, they get up in a tizzy, they get frustrated by it, they get mad about it. Um, you know, some will, will obviously say mean things to him on X.com. He then mocks them, and it just turns into this big spiral of um, of a baby, uh, basically discourse, if we want to call it that. Um, so. I, I don't know if what he says he actually believes. I, I hesitantly say that because, again, I'm privy enough to realize that in this industry, I've seen it with my own eyes. You can sit up here and you can talk as eloquently as you possibly can. You can try to be as rational as you possibly can. You can try to discuss things in a very, very intellectual matter with other people. 
And ultimately, to be quite frank with you, it doesn't move the needle nearly as much as if you sit up here and you just blurb a bunch of craziness. I've seen it. We've seen it. So, when we sit up here and we ask ourselves at Chatterbox Sports, what angle do you want to go down? How do you want to be remembered? What do you want to be known for? Certainly the easiest way to get clicks and the cheapest way to get clicks and the, and the, and the simplest way to grow quicker is to say outlandish stuff all the time, right? Yep. You could come out and just start bashing players, saying ridiculous takes left and right, and then the city's going to know about you pretty quickly. They're going to know about you. The issue with that, at least for me, has always been they know about you, but what do they think about you? And I, at least, if people were to find out about Chatterbox, I want them to at least think if they if they stick around long enough to find out. I don't think that many do. Most people see either who we've had on our airwaves, who we're associated with, or maybe one take that we have out of the two thousand that we've had over the course of a over the course of a month, and they want to basically just cast a net on you and say, "Oh, those guys suck" or whatever it may be. But if you stick around for just a little bit of time, I think that what I would hope that people would come to realize with what we do is, is that we're genuine people. We come from a good place. We don't try to push narratives that we don't believe at all. We like to poke and prod and have fun from time to time, yes. But at the end of it all, we would like to think that if you've seen us out and about, you would want to get a beer with us. Yeah. You'd want to you want to have a beer with us because that we're just at the end of the day we're talking sports we keep it lighthearted we know this stuff isn't personal, but for whatever reason, this industry finds itself in the in the crosshairs of what moves the needle is unfortunately not usually that. But over the course of time, I think if you can build enough trust factor, maybe this is the game we're playing, is if you could do this long enough at the way in which we do it, you will actually have a solid base of people that love what you do and they'll stick up for you. And then over time you become, you have a loyal, loyal, loyal fan base and they'll be able to kind of counteract just clicks, right? Because if you have enough people that care about what you do, you ask them to help you out, whether that's a sponsor that supports your show and you say, Hey, go and help us out, support these guys that support us. You got a good chance of people doing that. If it's just strictly clicks and people hate your guts, yes, you're getting people to click on your article at .00002 cents for every time somebody actually views the ad. And maybe that math ultimately pans out for the newspapers, but I don't see how it ultimately will, but we'll find out together. I mean, more power to them if that's the way they want to go about it. If they think that they're going to be able to showcase their ads to people and get people to click on stuff and incite people, maybe that works. So I, I say that long-winded way of saying, before we get into this, I don't know if this is a bit by Gordon or I don't know if this is something he truly believes. If it's something he truly believes, let's have a genuine discussion about it in the room. Now, some will think this is preposterous. There's no way that you should even put the likes of Ellie De La Cruz and Josh Harrison or, or, or Tony Kemp or any of these guys in the same somewhat category or discussion. But... That's essentially what's going on right now. Correct, Elliot? We have a guy that thinks that some of these rookies have to earn their way to opening day. Correct. And they're and not, they've not earned it yet. And I think there is a little bit of truth to it, right? There is some sort of merit to what he's saying. Where you don't earn your spot. and this, But this goes for everybody. It doesn't just go for the rookies. You can't show up to spring training 
or you can't join the Reds like Matt Kemp did and clearly express frustration with the organization. He didn't want to be traded here. And he got pissy, and he left. At some point, you have to show up for your job. You have to do it well, and you have to, you have to try. You have to show effort. But that goes for everybody. I, the rookies, Ellie De La Cruz, CES, Steer, Noel V, all of them. Will Benson, every single one of these guys proved, at least in some capacity last year, that they were good enough to play on a major league level. I'd make the argument that Josh Harrison and Tony Kemp and Mike Ford didn't do a ton last year to prove that they were good enough to be on a major league roster. And this is why everybody has such an issue with this is because if he was comparing, if he was like, Ellie has to beat out Trey Turner, I'm like, okay, then yeah, he probably does. But we're not talking about Trey Turner. And this is with all due respect to Tony Kemp and, and Mike Ford. But these guys aren't some world-beating all-stars that, that are going around there hitting 50 home runs a year, stealing 60 bases. These are scrubs. These are old veterans. I, I don't doubt that the team uh, is interested or even needs veteran leadership. I think it's important. I think that's why Joey Votto, despite what everybody said, Trace and all the Votto haters out there last oh, here year. Here we go. When everybody started making fun of Joey Votto, I think there was a role in that clubhouse that he had that Who's nobody talks about. making fun of Joey Votto? You were. You're slandering me now. I'm not this slandering is not, This is not true. You went on like a four-hour rant about how Joey Votto shouldn't play anymore. No. Okay. All right. Are we going to do this? Well, no, I'm just, Are we going to do this? I'm finishing my point. I'm asking a question. No, we're not doing it. I'm finishing my point. All right. My point is that there was a there was a role for Vado, just like there was a role for India, and I know you slandered him. He can't back out of that one. Yeah, I mean, I'd like for him to play leader, second base being relatively competently. Being a, being a leader, there is a value to that. Being a veteran presence in the clubhouse when you've got 15 rookies surrounding you, there is something to it. So I get wanting to have veteran presence in your in your clubhouse. I get it all. But the headline here's the here's the exact uh, clickbait headline. And, and Trace is 100% right. In this business, you have to have clickbait to, to survive. You have to. Because if nobody wants to read it, if nobody's willing to click on it, you have no business. But this was, the, this was the, his opening line. This was his header. Why Cincinnati Reds young in infielders should take notice of Tony Kemp and Mike Ford's signings. <laughs> so now they have to be aware. They have to be... They have to be uh, uh, diligent and, and, and their, and their baseball duties, because we just signed checks. My notes, Tony Kemp and Mike Ford. What are we doing? Ellie De La Cruz has to worry about Mike Ford in what universe Ellie could literally go over 3000 next year. And he'd still have more value than Mike Ford still have more value. Novi Marte could go five for 400. He'd still have more value than Tony Kemp. I'm not saying they're bad baseball players. They're professionals. They I think that's for, exactly what you're saying. They've keep played going. for a long time. But I'm saying, at what, at what, what, do you, what are they providing? It's just a bunch of Kevin Newmans running around here. What, do you, is that who you want to watch? Because that's who we all killed last year. Nobody wants to watch five Kevin Newmans surround our infield. It's terrible. And this is where I get so upset because it seems like certain members of the media are still pushing this narrative or this agenda that the, that the rookies aren't good enough yet, that they're not good. Elliot, have I, you ever seen Around the Horn? 
I have. All right. Uh, you know how every time you make a good point, they click a button. Yeah. All right. And I and I know and I know. Here's the thing. You know, I, I know people probably thinking, oh, you know, um, has Elliot has Elliot gotten paid this that and the other? And and you know, there for a while, Elliot wanted to make a joke about it every day. And you know, I talked to Sean. I said, you know, obviously we'll we'll take care of him. But every time he every time he he brings this up, we're just gonna we just we just, we just have to delay it another day and just see sure. how long this goes. Today, I think what I'm going to do is I'm gonna, I don't know how much I could pay you back. We'll see. But every time you say something nice, I'm I'm going to I'm going to throw some some coin your way. So it's going to be like it's going to be like around the horn. But just I just want I just, I only say that because I want you to be prepared. I don't want just something to hit you right in the face while while it's coming your way. So just keep your head on the swivel. But continue with your point if you can. I know I, I kind of cut you off. Yeah, I mean your, I've never been your, 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 your I, point's never been more derailed than what you just did there. But I sure I uh, uh, back to. Tr- Trying to find my words again. <laughs> I mean, that was what did we interrupt me for? What was that interruption? Uh, I mean, that was that was silly. Uh, but I'm going to try to continue. The point being is that, and again, we understand the clicks. We understand how hard it is to to get people interested in what you're providing content wise, especially in baseball where there's a lot of this. What? <laughs> that's considerable a lot a lot of money there. Uh, that's. I mean, I'm just getting thrown coins. Um, like Super Mario. By the way, this is... Prov- <laughs> oh, no. They're with Yoshi in the whole park. <laughs> what is happening? I mean, come I, I know on. what this is. I mean, this is... This is nonsense. Um, my point being... Yeah, finish your point, would you? I, I'm trying to finish my point. I'm getting thrown money. Um... I don't know where my point was. I lost it. The point's gone. The point is that the, the rookies don't have to prove it anymore. Ellie De La Cruz, they've earned it. They've earned their spots. They're going to start next year. You should be excited about it. And this is no knock on guys like Josh Harrison, Tony Kemp, uh, Mike Ford. I know it certainly sounded like I slandered them, and I might have done that. I certainly might have. I, I, I'll, I'll say this. If Mike Ford and Tony Kemp and Josh Harrison play a major role in this season, the Cincinnati Reds are going to have uh, a serious problem. And that's my point. I think your point was that Tony Kemp, uh, no matter how good that uh, he might try to, to play in spring training, he's not going to earn any kind of opportunity over Ellie De La Cruz when it comes to quote-unquote spring training. Now, this comes from a guy that's covered baseball for, for long enough to know that spring training, for the most part, is not going to get – or elevate your status within an organization significantly unless you do something preposterous. As I said before, you hit 15, maybe, I don't know, something crazy, 20 home runs in spring. They might take note of what that is, but I don't think that you're going to get yourself in a position where you have these young players that are looking out because they sign some, for lack of a better term, retreads. And and sometimes retreads are, are, are very beneficial. They can help you out. They give you some depth, this, that, and the other. But it's just preposterous, and I don't. I don't know why. <clears throat> I guess to a certain extent, it's like Reds fandom, it feels like uh, it, it feels like that um, this guy has really gotten under the skin of the vast majority of Reds fandom, and it's working to a T. It's like one hundred percent. It's exactly what he wants, and I just don't really delve into it a whole lot because I think it's. I think it's one of those things where I kind of just see it for what it is, and it's more or less like a shtick. And I think there's a little bit than, of then then there being some realistic concept of what they're talking about and i think there's a little bit of uh over or overreaction when it comes to the reds fandom i at some point you have to be a biased journalist you have to uh take a side that most fans wouldn't agree with that's part of the job and i, I think a lot of people kind of forget that 
you want every and this is no knock on our guy uh, John Sadak, but John Sadak and the reason people love him is that he takes a positive approach to baseball. There's there's no there's no not you can't knock a guy like that. Of course, Sadak has to try to be objective, but but at the same time, uh, you want to try to somewhat be a positive influence when you're talking about the team that you cover. And I think people get lost in the sauce because it seems like most of the time Gordo or other members of the media uh, aren't taking that that positive. It's always sunny side of, of, of the walk of the walkway. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> you can't even catch. Well, I just you're throwing things at me. I'm trying to make points. Uh, but that's all I had on that. I and again, we'll we'll see what happens going forward. But I have a hard time believing Tony Kemp is going to be a, a serious part of this offense. Uh, noted that Elliot's not a very good multitasker. Um, all right, so we'll, let's talk about a, a, a little bit. Listen, we already talked yesterday at length, if you will, about UC Hoops, where they're at, where they're, where they're trying to get to. Uh, Sean Miller, if you didn't see, yesterday uh, kind of had on the Sean Miller podcast, our, our good friend in front of the program, Paul Frischner, uh, kind of put out some clippets of the Sean Miller podcast. And he's, as I said before to start the show, at the top of the show, he's visibly frustrated by the state of the program and by the effort given within said program. Is this, a, is this a situation where you have a couple coaches that have been successful in their coaching careers before? Wes Miller, like it or not, he's been successful in his coaching career. Okay, he's been to the tournament. He took UNC Greensboro. He's one of the youngest coaches in college basketball, period. And he was having success at a program that hadn't had a whole lot of success prior to him getting there. Okay, that's success. Now, I get you're going to sit here and say that he's never done it at the big level, et cetera, et cetera. That's fine. Sean Miller has. Point is that we have two local coaches, just so happen to share the last name, that very similarly both have the same situation going on, in my opinion. And that is, simply put, they don't have players that are good enough to compete in the leagues that they play in. Is it really about effort, or is this just more or less frustration about the fact that they aren't capable of competing in games that these coaches would like them to be able to compete in. You see a little bit different. You see, to be fair to them, that they, they've been competitive in most of the games that they've played in this year. Yes, TCU is an exception to that rule. Um, but Xavier has found themselves now on the, uh, on the lopsided end of a few losses. And they're playing great teams, if we can be completely frank great about teams. it. Uh, Marquette, UConn, Creighton, those aren't... Those aren't teams that you would consider to be pushovers, clearly. Two of them are con considered to be NCAA uh, champions, possibly. I don't know if Marquette has the firepower to do it, but UConn obviously certainly does. UConn maybe is the favorite of all of them. Um, but that my point is, is that you have these coaches that are saying things that I don't really know if it's much to make of it. right? You have Sean Miller who's talking about effort and energy, and some guys... Uh, to you, I think you might have the quote. Um, I have the quote. What, give us the quote, exactly what he had said. So this is the quote from um, uh, Sean Miller yesterday, as in the uh, – let me get it out again. This was Sean Miller on the radio show, on his radio show, on I think WLW. I'm pretty sure that's where they have that. The disposition of our group in Milwaukee playing Marquette is just fundamentally unacceptable. They were not ready to play. They did not play with great effort. And there's a couple of guys that, quite frankly – don't deserve to play anymore. Now that is that is brutal. That is brutal. And, and this is this is a coach, and I think you are right. I think it's frustration that I don't know if he's really dealt with something like this before. 
Uh, he got screwed right out of the gate when you, when your two best players go down. Then you have to deal with who's your score and, and hope and pray that Quincy's the guy that you, you got him out of the portal to be. And he was. But outside of Quincy, and, and Des Claude's had moments, there hasn't been much. Davion McKnight's shown a, some bursts. I think he could be very, very good in the future. But he's never, ever, Sean Miller has never coached a losing record. He's never had a losing record in his entire coaching career. And for the first time, maybe ever, that seems like it's not probable, but certainly possible. And, and I think you're, you're seeing that. I don't know if, if the kids, because that's a shot, that's a pretty powerful shot that you take across the bow there if you're, if you're a Xavier player, that some of you legit don't deserve to start, and, and I'm going to make it known over the radio. Wes Miller has never gotten that low yet, I'd say. He's never really questioned effort. There's been a couple games here and there I know last year that I think that was uh, a part of the story. Wes usually but, defends a player more times than not. But this, is, this was an outburst by Sean, and I think you're right. I think it's frustration that it's just not going his way this year, and they're playing in a league that's incredibly difficult. Yeah, I mean, they, the two leagues that these teams play in, let's just run through the, the uh, NCAA tournament champion odds uh, of, of teams in which are a part of these leagues, right? You have UConn, who's the favorite currently. They're at plus 475. After that, you have, play, you have Purdue, who is not in either of the leagues. And then you have Houston, you have uh, Houston at plus 950. And if you scroll down here, you have Kansas, Iowa State, uh, and then Marquette and Creighton. So there's a lot of teams in between these, but there's, there's plus 3,000 and better. There's one, two, three, four, five, six teams that have a chance to win the national championship that these two teams have to go and compete against in those leagues. So I do think that it is a little demoralizing at times when you play in a high echelon league and you have an average team and you've been used to being competitive your whole life and think that you can be a part of that conversation. It is a little demoralizing when you realize that there's not just one team that's, that's you know, what you would consider significantly better in a better state than your program is currently. Um, it's a multitude of teams. Now, the question is, is that with Sean Miller is... In the era of NIL, and this isn't a knock against Sean Miller per se, but in the era of NIL, being at a, in an organization, and I say organization, I should say program, like Xavier, is there cause for concern in being able to recruit at a high enough level to compete with the blue bloods of this sport? And maybe they never were capable of doing that before. But certainly we could, I, 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 maybe I'm wrong, maybe people would disagree with this, but I think that it is tougher in an NIL era to a certain extent, and I get there's a transfer portal and all that now to where you can somewhat say that there's some parity because of that. But it, it would seem to me to be more and more difficult to try to be competitive year in and year out at a place that's, again, like a Xavier. Am I wrong on that? I mean, I guess I'm no. I, I I don't I don't think you're wrong on that. It, it's obviously the the places like Miami, the places anywhere, pretty much in Florida, uh, anywhere on the coast, anywhere in Cali. I think it's going to be easier to get somebody, especially if you have money, uh, a truck of money backing you up, than opposed to go to the Midwest and Cincinnati where it's cold and it snows. Then it well, rains. a lot of the good programs are out of the Midwest. I don't, sure, I don't know I, if it's I, much about location as it is. Well, just, but then it's also it's then it's also a, a, a school. Say Houston doesn't have a ton of money theoretically. And, and same way with UC, where it's 
historically you haven't had a ton of success. Um, and I think that's, that's a fair concern. Now I, I would say Xavier, again, I don't mean to, uh, I'm trying to say, I don't mean to give Xavier too many compliments here, but they've been the number one team in the country. They've like, they've had significant success here in, in terms of being ranked and, and all that stuff. Now they've never been to the final four. There's my one shot. I get, I get one of those. But I, I do think that Chris, what Chris Mack was able to do, what Sean Miller was able to do in the A-10, I think it's impressive. I think it's still impressive, and I think you're still able to do that. I just think that there's better places, better uh, options out there where you can get paid and, and, and have a better life if you're a college kid wanting to play college basketball. Uh, I mean, I can't disagree with that. I think Sean Miller is a hell of a coach. And we'll find out if they're able to right the ship or not. It's one of those things where I think that these coaches' expectations are where they should be maybe, but the reality of their teams are not where they – and they know that. That's the thing that, that – that, that's the interesting part about some of this is that I think Sean Miller especially because at the beginning of the season, uh, Reed's brought this point up a multitude of times, that you, you could tell what Sean Miller thought of his team with the opening statements that he made about it during the, uh, during the preseason, which is – you know, I to his to his words, and I'm paraphrasing what Sean Miller said, but he had said something along the lines that I hope this team is going to be uh, better than what we are at the beginning of the season. We're, we're something along the lines that we're going to be better at the end of the season than we are at the beginning, and that's just not the truth, though. That's that's the part that might be a little damning is that no. that Xavier actually was playing pretty good basketball earlier this year, and then now it's it's kind of done the opposite of what Sean thought was going to happen, but. And maybe that's where some of the frustration lies with Sean is that he thought they had something going, and then it kind of the, the I don't say the wheels fell off completely, but they did. All right, you have a uh, you have a buy or sell. Well, we have a mailbag first. Okay. There's one other team that plays tonight, uh, and that's the University of Cincinnati Bearcats. And you don't think they're dead? That's fine. No, 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 no. I, no, no well, we'll the million dollar question of the day is is. Um, well, I don't want to spoil the mailbag, so let's just please, do this, and then we'll get please, the mailbag. Mailbag. Run mailbag. the clip. Here we go. We just got a letter. We just got a letter. We just got a letter. I wonder who it's from. I know that's delayed on our end, but oh well. Today's mailbag, uh, it comes from sweet little Vladimir. Uh, from Mr. Putin's class. I knew it. Vladimir is a big college basketball fan, specifically of he the is? UC Bearcats. Is he? He has his own knockoff jersey of his favorite basketball player, Victor Locken. Locken looked like a regular Larry Bird against Stetson, Merrimack, and Eastern Washington State, but then he tore up the American Conference uh, against tough foes such as Temple, Eastern Carolina, and South Florida. However, it appears that his time at UC is done. Has Victor Locken played his last meaningful season with the Bearcats? Uh, and also, tonight against the number one team in the country, Houston, if you don't win this, is the season over? This is from little Vladimir. I think Vladimir is trying to get a, uh, he's trying to get to the, the succinct way of saying, is this a must-win game? I think that's what he was saying. Uh, which has become a little bit of a bit on the show. Is this a must-win game? Uh, clearly it is. I think that at this point, UC is in a position. Um, Sean Spurlock, obviously a big fan of the Bearcats. He, he thinks that if UC can get themselves to where they're 99 in league play going into the, going into the conference tournament, then they'll, that they'll find themselves in the tournament. Now, that would require them to win out in league play, uh, which is a big, tall task. Let's face it. It's a tall task tonight. Uh, I think the, the line's right around 13 points. Houston hasn't lost to UC in, what, 10, 10, 10, the last 10? So the concept that, the concept that this is going to work out in the Bearcats' favor tonight is probably not good. But as they say, Elliot, as they say, 
the uh, the hungry dog does run faster. The hungry dog always. And when if you were to ever try to, if you were to ever try to clip the Houston Cougars, I think it would be after they're they're maybe resting on their laurels of, of being the number one team in the country. They just received that honor this week. Maybe that they're maybe they're flying high on that, and they're they're too worried about the way in which they're they're you know glad handing around campus about how great they are. And here comes the old hungry dog. And uh, by dog, I mean a cat and the Bearcats. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, again, at some point, you are what you are. The Bearcats are what we are. They have no offense whatsoever. The last time they played Houston, they hung tough at home. I was at the game. What's it, it take for them to win tonight? You would have to replicate the same exact performance last, last time, and that is make free throws and don't turn the ball over. They turned the ball over eight times against Houston last time total. They turned it over 16 times, I believe, against TCU. Turnovers matter. And if, and if you're as sloppy as the Bearcats are with that stupid lob that they run, and I can't take the lob anymore. I watch this team, and I watch this team, and Aziz has one offensive move, and that is to jump up really high, outstretch his nine-foot wingspan, and catch a ball and slam it home. That's it. He missed one of those, by the way. He missed a wide-open alley-oop dunk against uh, TCU. I can't take the lobs anymore. If you're a Bearcat watching this show, and I know there's many, maybe thousands, and you're watching this show right now, please don't lob tonight. Just go up strong or pass it to the guy outright. You're anti-lob. You don't need to lob it anymore. No, because I've watched enough of this. I, I've, I've seen enough. I, they, they turn it over 17 times a game on just the lob alone. It's just preposterous. I'd like Jizzle to score. I mean, Wes has been listening to the fans. Whenever, when, when all the fans wanted to boo and bench Victor Lockin, yeah. he did it. When they wanted Jizzle to play more minutes, he did it. Either way, it's not helping the team. And, and, and as of right now, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty down on the Bearcats. They got all my hopes up, and now it's just over. I'd like Jizzle to score like 15 points tonight in 30 minutes. I think the, the, uh, the solution is relatively simple tonight, and that's called get, get a little lucky. I think you got to get a little lucky. you got to hit some shots you normally don't make. This team has been known to not really make that home. They really aren't very – well, they're offensively challenged, yes. They can't score. But they, they, they also don't shoot the ball all that well from three. If they can find themselves tonight and they get lucky and they shoot 50% from three, then they find themselves in, a, in, in an opportunity to win the game. And as, as goofy as that sounds, Houston's a team that's more than likely not going to allow you to get too many good looks, open looks, which, which makes it a little more difficult, if we're being completely honest, to hit 50% or greater from three. That's hard to do in an empty gym, let alone against when you play Houston. Um I was thinking, you know, it's this has been a relatively tough year in this area for hoops. Kentucky certainly can save the day for their fan base because I think that they're talented enough, that team's good enough to win the whole damn thing. They're also inconsistent enough to lose in the first weekend. Um, so that that's a that is a very the Kentucky Wildcats remind me a little bit of the Cincinnati Reds this year in the sense that you don't know 100% what you're going to get. You can get extremely excited about what the top end of that looks like because if you've seen it, it is it is explosive, it's fun, it's it's entertaining. But the bottom of it, sometimes you ask yourself, how in the world can you look this bad yet play that well at times? And then obviously then you start to get people to point to, towards the coaching because people are going to argue that well, if you can play that good, you can be able, you should be able to, you should be able to replicate that more times. Than, than they are, and therefore that's where you get the whole Coach Cal controversy. But I was thinking to myself, you have a, a really good region of college basketball. 
a lot of programs that that would consider if if you ask these these fan bases if they were a X school, they would say they're a basketball school. Outside of Ohio State, Dayton certainly basketball school. Xavier certainly basketball school. Now those that's not that's not obvious. We all know that's obvious. UC, you can say whatever you want. Most fans in in Cincinnati circles are going to say that they're a basketball school. Indiana basketball school. Kentucky basketball school. Northern Kentucky basketball school. Now I get it. Some people are going to laugh and mock at the idea of the Northern Kentuckys and the right states of the world, but those are basketball schools. Wright State, maybe you could argue is a baseball school almost because they've, they've had so much success. And someone, someone would say between Wright State and Kent State, that's the best program in Ohio in regards to baseball. But my point is simple. These programs, if, if Northern Kentucky and Wright State don't make the tournament, the only team in this area that's going to make the tournament that's, that's relatively not, I mean, outside of Kentucky, I guess, would be the Dayton Flyers. Yet it seems like clearly on this program, we've not talked about the Dayton Flyers a significant amount. And some of that's just because of location. And some of it's just based off of fandom that we have in this room. We don't really have a Flyer fan per se. Um, I'd like to cover the Flyers more and more. And maybe I'll, maybe I'll make, some, uh, make, make some time out of my, my, uh, my fandoms to try, to try to follow the Flyers a little bit closely. But it is sad is what I'm getting at. It, it, it makes for less of an enjoyable time this time of year. Um, certainly we all go through kind of, uh, or some of us do go through, uh, depression's a strong word and I hate using that word, but like a seasonal depression of, yeah. it gets really cold outside. It gets dark at four o'clock. It seems like in the middle of the day, you know, uh, and, and then all of a sudden you're kind of cramped up in your house for months on end. And the one thing that kind of brings us into the spring more times than not in this area is our local college basketball teams. And outside of the Dayton Flyers, that's just not happening in this city. And I know I'm concluding Dayton in that, in that group of, what, five or six programs. I'd like to see a Final Four. I'd like to see a Final Four by Xavier, UC, or probably not Xavier, maybe UC uh, and, and Dayton. I'd, I'd like to see something like that, but I don't think it'll ever happen, and that's just where we are. I, March Madness is my favorite time of the year. You can even add it, Butler into that mix. Butler not, not, not going to make the tournament? Um. I, I don't know. I, I, March Madness is the best time of the year. Those first four days are quite literally my favorite days of the I calendar agree. year. Um, and to have really, again, you can count. Obviously, I know what Xavier's done. They've been to the Elite Eight. I get it. Uh, and you can be the one seed, which Xavier's done. UC was the two seed. You can, you can do all these things, but at the end of the day, I'd like a Final Four. And that's what I want. And will it ever happen? Probably not. Buy or sell, though. Uh, buy or sell. Buy, buy, buy. We're sell, sticking sell, with sell. MLB edition. Yep. Love it. Shohei or Ronald Acuna will win the National League MVP. They are both the odds-on favorites. Ronald. Is that a Caseyism? A what? Oh, it is say Ronald. Oh, no. Uh -oh. Is that you? That is, no, that mm. was me. Oh, man. I'm sorry, Casey. That's on me. But I but 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 to be fair to I Casey, how, Casey did make an apology yesterday Casey. that he was going to try to get better on his spelling. I don't know how you do that totally. I mean, I guess uh, you could, I you guess go. you could I guess you could I just bow. like try to I do bow. spell check all the time. But yeah. usually for most people, when you spell something, it's like it, that is what it is. You, you either got it right or you got it wrong. Uh, Ronald or Shohei or, or Ronald MVP National League MVP. Buy uh, are, are or you, sell? Are you giving me the field? I'll take the field. I'm going to sell. You're going to sell. Don't, don't ask me who. I don't know who, but you're giving me so many players that could possibly be the MVP outside of those two guys that I'll take it. I want to sell really bad, 
but I just think Shohei Otani is going to hit for like 50 home runs again, and it's just it's just going to it's just going to be really pitching. sad, huh? It doesn't matter if he can, if he if he what he is as a as an offensive player is still. Uh, I, I I I get that, but isn't it more like coming off what an was injury? Yeah, what was described to me is he's more like a top 10 hitter. He's not like. Yeah, he's not the best hitter in Major League Baseball, but I'd say he's one of them. He can certainly win the MVP as just a bat alone, okay. uh, and I think he's going to. I think I think there's a I think there's a serious chance he wins MVP. Uh, the odds on favorite. So shout out to him. I'm going to buy, buy, buy. Okay. Buy, buy, buy. buy. Uh, I would sell that. Just to... you're gonna sell it. Yep. Uh, the Pirates they finish in the cellar of the division. Reed and I have had this debate now for weeks and months. I think that at some point you are who you are. And the Pirates, the Pirates over the past 30 years, they certainly are. They've had four winning seasons since 1993, I think. Since yeah, I, 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 I'm gonna, I'm selling this. I, I think the You're Pirates. selling it. I, yeah, I think the Pirates are gonna finish a little better than the basement. Uh, if you had to make me pick who's gonna finish in the basement, I would say the Brewers. Real? Okay, well, I have a Brewers one coming up, but that's right. interesting. Again, I, this is no knock on the Pirates. I think they're young and I think they have talent similar to last year's Reds. I just think it's at a point right now where there's four teams that I think are better than them. Um, what the hell? Uh, okay. We have I – mean, this is preposterous. Uh, we have Brewers. <laughs> Brewers, uh, Brewers are underrated. Mm. I think there's a lot of people mm. like myself who watched last season. They saw their, lot, their lack of offense, and they had a great pitching, a great pitching staff. You lose Burns. You lose Woodruff. Uh, I don't know what they are as a whole unit this season. I'm going to say that they are, in fact, underrated, so I'm going to buy it. I think they, there's a chance that they're going to be better uh, than I think. And I think that's what I'm most most worried about. If there's a team that, like, if you're a Reds fan and you're still thinking about, like, who are you, who are you the most scared to play on a given night, it's always going to be the Brewers. I really believe that. I'm selling you're selling. Yep. So you think that they're properly rated? They're going to be. Corbin Burns isn't coming to save the day anymore. I know that they still have some of the other guys, but the I, I just all right. It just feels like uh, the time's up. The time's up for the Brewers. Well, we shall find out. That's fair. Uh, we have Hunter Green starts no, 25 no. games this year. Buy or sell? He started 22. He started 24. Will he get to 25 games started this season? And I think this is a big key for me. If Hunter Green's able to start 25 games, if he's able to go out there consistently, I know you don't have to stay healthy for all 162. I get it. But if you can give me consistent starts night in, night out, uh, where I know I can rely on you and you're not missing two months at a time, I think this guy will be a stud. He'll be a bona fide, he'll be a bona fide ace in this league. He'll prove it. Just give him the time. Make him healthy. Uh, but in terms of will it, will it happen, I'm concerned. And I, as of right now, I have to sell it because of what I've seen on the field. And that he's been unable to do it thus far. Selling that Hunter Green starts 25. So you get 34 if you do every single game without roughly, injury? Roughly, yeah. 25. I mean, that seems actually kind of high, to be honest. But I, I, he missed like a month, right? It was about a month. I'll, about a month. I'll, I'll, I'm selling. I'll buy. I'll Casey's buy. buying. I'll buy. I don't think he's going to be out for a month. Well, that's what it maybe comes maybe, down to. maybe like a week or two here and there, but I don't know if it'll be a month. It's hard to predict injury. Coach. Oh man, I'm gonna buy. 
You're buying. I'm gonna buy. I, I there, there, there's this notion in my brain that wants to try to uh, to fall into the trap that is Cincinnati fandom and always feel as if you're gonna get the 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 the, the bad side of 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 the aisle. You're you're gonna get the the rotten apple or whatever term you like to come up with here to make yourself feel like you're gonna get the short end of the stick. For all the folks that love the fact that I use cliches, I hope I just got as many of those out of the way as I could. But that was really good. I, I really feel as if there's a chance that this could be the turning point for this franchise over the next few years, and this is the year that it could be that case. We've all been a subject of misery for quite some time for this franchise, and it feels like at some point good fortune turns. Let's not forget the Kansas City Chiefs for a long time were a terrible organization in regards to, 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 to winning football games. A fan that a, a fandom that I loved for, for for ever since I was a child in Georgia in Georgia football was was mocked and made fun of for quite some time of always falling short. Georgia's gonna Georgia was an actual thing for the longest time. And until they finally did it, then then obviously everybody acts as if they've been a great program all along, but they they weren't. They were in the shadows of of many programs, Florida during the Urban Meyer days, and then they were in the shadows of Alabama ever since Saban took over. But at some point that fortune turned, and it feels like you continue to put yourself at that opportunity, you're going to break through. And certainly I'm opening up myself for heartbreak by saying this but the closer and closer we get to opening day the more and more i believe that this is the chance and this is that this is the start of the turn and i'm not suggesting for a second that it means they're going to win 95 games and and go and win a playoff series and all these things but i think this is the start of the reds turning a corner and i also believe that this group is young enough to be naive enough to believe that they can do it. You know, we all have been a part of workplaces at some point in our lives that you walk into a situation and you have a culture that exists, right? In some cultures that exist, it's this, this abundance of, op uh, of optimism that, that, that doesn't really exist a whole lot in corporate America. And why is that? It doesn't exist in corporate America a lot of times because when you walk in the door, there's a lot of old timers. There's a lot of people that have put their time in. They've waited their turn. And in turn, what they've done is they've lost optimism. They've seen the, uh, they've seen the dark side, if you will, of the business. They've seen the, the realization that really in order to be able to get to somewhere where you thought you were going, you got to do things that maybe kind of are gray area things that you would consider morally right when you're trying to do something specific within your job. Most times at corporate America, they say one thing and they do another. And I try to convince myself now that this Reds team is young enough to where they don't have the battle scars of some of the veterans of the past, right? Let's face it. If you've been beaten down in Major League Baseball and you played for a bad franchise and you've lost a lot, it wears on you. Do I think Anthony Rendon would have said the things that he said of, re of, of recent times if he didn't deal with injury and didn't play on an absolutely terrible team? I don't think so. I think that's just a product of the situation he's been put in. And I think for a long time, that, 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 that's somewhat where this Reds franchise has been. They've had veteran players. 
that we've hung on to and we've hung on to and we've hung on to. And at some point, there's been this a little bit of neglect of optimism with inside the clubhouse and a true belief with inside the franchise that things could change or they could become the team to beat. We've had glimpses of it, yes. But this is the first time I believe we have a lot of young players that truly believe that they could be the best in baseball. Now, whether that's just naiveness or whether that's the facts, it doesn't really matter. Because I believe that you can will yourself and you can self-talk yourself into being something that maybe you weren't when you first started. And I think that the Reds are, are, are going to find themselves in a position where they have enough young players to where they, 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 they turn the corner. And a part of that is Hunter Green. A big part of that is Hunter Green. And it's a long-winded way of me saying, if Hunter Green does start more than 25 games, and I think he will, again, we will be thrilled to death with what this season is. 100%. And if it doesn't, if it turns out that guys continue to get hurt and all of these things, it's going to be a psychological battle that we're going to have to try to hurdle and get over as a fan base. Because if you ask any Cincinnati fan, the first thing they always want to do is complain. They always want to tell you, oh, you know, we're cursed. We have this happen to us. We had that happen to us. But this team could change the narrative pretty quickly, and I hope they do. Sorry for the rain. So that was a bye. Bye, bye, bye. Yeah, say that? Bye. That was a bye. Uh, okay. And finally, to round out our little division here, Cardinals tanked twice in a row. The last time they had back-to-back -back losing seasons was 94 and 95. Is there a chance that we're all sitting here thinking the Cardinals are going to win this division because they've got Arenado, they've got Goldschmidt, and they've got Sonny Gray, and they've got a damn good pitching staff? Are we, are we, are we going to write off the St. Louis Cardinals again? I don't think you can do it. I'm going to sell. I am selling the Cardinals lose again, have a losing season again, back-to-back. -back. Boy, it's a tough one. I, I'm going to sell as well, um, but I also think that it would be beautiful if that were to happen because it almost feels like this is the um, this is the situation now where they have some young players, yes, but they also are relying on a lot of veterans that, that, that you could argue are very prone to either going downhill from a career standpoint of not being good players anymore or getting injured. Arenado is a guy that, I, I mean, I, I would like to venture to think that, you know, maybe he bounces back, but maybe he doesn't. Uh, Goldschmidt's a guy that, 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 well, it's hard to replicate an MVP season, so it's, it's, he, he really only had one place to go last year, and that was down. But does he continue to stay consistent at his age? Sonny Gray going to be a guy that is, that again, um, is he going to be a guy that you can rely upon for a full season at the age in which he's pitching at? So they, they have, and, and, you know, I think there's a Lance Lynn. They have a plethora of guys that are like that. So, or you could, or, or those guys could, can, can uh, kind of bounce back, uh, Ryan Ludwig esque and have one more good season on the back end of their career. One more run in the sun. That's right. Uh, love right. the cliches. People love the cliches. That's it. That's it. Um, by the way, we have one cherry on top, Casey. This, is, this was a high school Philadelphia Catholic League uh, basketball championship, and it was one of the crazier endings I've ever seen. I said, it, I said it earlier today with the Pistons, but imagine winning your high school championship like this. Presented by United Dairy Farmers. Ryan Everett with 22 seconds left. Good cut by Murray. Nearly lost his footing. Still patience and still time. 
Sorber. Sorber goes baseline. Everett for the lead. Bang! Bang! The clock still runs. Roman Catholic has one timeout. Pick up the ball. They don't call it. This is for the win. Yes! Deserve to lose. Yes! Cave Goss! Deserve to lose. Clock. Deserve to lose. Play what, do that back. De- what do you mean you deserve to lose? I, wh- what are we doing? There's, there's, play, play the clip back. Play the clip back. This is great offense, by the way. Look at this ball movement. I've not seen ball movement in Cincinnati, uh, Cincinnati college hoops like this in a while. I mean, this, look at the, the reverse in the ball. Th- that guy must be an unbelievable player. They just triple teamed him. Okay, you hit a three. There's seven seconds left. Five. Pick the ball up. Make him. You can't. You, you don't even guard him. I, that's terrible. That, that, that God's honest. That's the worst. That's. I mean. I mean. It is what it is. you deserve to lose. That's a harsh thing to say. It is a harsh. That's thing a to That's a harsh say. thing to say. In overtime, mind I you. don't care. These guys you are working their tails pick, off. You have to pick the ball up. There was only five seconds left. You know how difficult of a shot you would have had to hit if you picked the ball up full court right there and made the guy turn to twice. He would have been shooting a thirty-five or forty-five foot shot. Instead, he came up the floor like he was dribbling an open gym and nobody was guarding him in an, in an old men's league when all the guys are tired after three hours. Let me ask you this. If you were the coach of that team, would you have won the state championship? Would you have, would you have made those guys guard him? I mean, I'm not going to sit here and suggest that it's the coach's fault. Well, I, well, you can't blame a 17 You're going to try to say that I would have won the state championship if I was the coach. I'm not going to do that. But I'm going to say well, I, that I you, you got should. what you deserved in that situation. You got what you deserved. If he would have thrown up a three-quarter court shot, I would have felt disgusting about it. Terrible about it. Yeah. But they let him dribble the whole length of the floor, Elliot, and shoot like a little 17-foot jumper. That's you feel it, bad about that? I don't feel bad. I mean, I, I, it's, just, it's just how it is. I don't think you – do you want to press and create a foul at midcourt to lose the game like that? You guard. No, but if you, what if he runs into you, throws up a shot, and flails? You don't want to risk that. Yeah, and if – I almost said something that was inappropriate for off the bench. I'm glad that you stopped that. Have you ever heard of if if, if your long, aunt if your if your aunt had, if your aunt had something she'd be your uncle? I mean that's the yeah. If ifs and buts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a jolly good time. I mean you pick up the you pick up the ball and you guard the ball. That's not even that's not even like asking a whole lot there. How long did it take you to get all these singles? Because there's no way they allowed this for one go at the bank. There's just no way that there's. There's no way they allowed this many singles at the bank. How long did this take? I, I don't know. I, I, it, was, it was a process. Uh, shout out to Sean. Uh, so for those that are wondering, in a show like this, um, you know, people were concerned. Elliot, you know, he's a guy that's not going to get paid. Everybody, wasn't gonna, you know, Trace was going to hose him, blah, <laughs> blah, blah. So here's the deal. I mean, you're, you're going to get paid. You're getting paid today. Um, <laughs> All in singles. <laughs> yeah, and, and you're and you're really lucky, really, because actually the goal was to try to go and get it in quarters, but they wouldn't allow that. <laughs> so the quarters was the goal because I would have loved to have seen what you'd have had to have done. I would have loved to bring it in a wheelbarrow. That was the goal, really, genuinely, was to go get a wheelbarrow. They wouldn't let you do fill qu- it with quarters. Yeah, they wouldn't let you do. They wouldn't let us do quarters. I, I don't know if there's a coin shortage. I think there's a coin shortage, maybe. Um, so I don't know. That's probably something geopolitical or something very political that I don't know enough about. And people are already going to cancel us today because you don't believe in recycling, which again, I don't know, maybe one of the crazier takes of, of all time. I think it's a myth. Um, but, but yeah, you're going to get paid today. Um, now the only thing that I would genuinely want you to do with this 
is 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 you know let's just not let's not take it to the casino and blow it in like two hours. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Just that's it. Outside of that, could you imagine? You could you, you okay? Could you imagine this live stream? We got the whole chat supporting me. We got Mr. Mo, uh, Alex Wallace. Uh, who else is in there? Rick, Natty, Ron, Mike Ackley. All these guys are just cheering me on. We take one. We take one little drive down Hollywood Road, and we go up to that casino and we say, "Elliot, red or black?" Man. One time, and all the people support me, and I'll, and I'll let oh. the chat decide. Could you imagine? Could you imagine the vibes? We might have to use some of this. So I don't know if you know. We've been. We were trying to get credentialed for spring training. Um, and listen, some people are going to think that that um that i'm upset about this i'm not i am not upset about it it is it, it does require us to be probably be i don't know I, we'll figure it out as we go i'm not really worried about it we've always figured it out uh we didn't we didn't get credentialed because we're not as we're not as um i don't know i don't know what to say here this is a tough spot for me to say i, I i'm not even trying to complain i'm just saying like you know maybe we, we might have to save some of these singles to get make sure we can get into the games yeah that's fair. um so I think what we're gonna have to do is try to buy us some lawn tickets or something, and then we'll go in there and we'll try to create some content on our own. Okay. Um, but you know what? We are leaving um, on Monday. For those that are wondering about the show, we are actively figuring that out as we speak to a certain extent. There's a great chance that Reed Mouse is gonna host this show um, in my absence, and we will check in from the road from time to time. And the goal is quite simple. We're gonna try to be as entertaining as possible on this road trip. And um, Elliot, I'll let, I'll, let, I'll let Elliot kind of add some, some substance to this as he, as he tries to clean up the mess here that I've made throwing him singles. But Elliot is a true believer in this trip, so we're still going to take the trip even if, even if we have to go as fan media people. Do you suspect we look like losers by trying to be media members but also just buy tickets and go to the game? No, I think it's more fun as fans. I, I, I think if, if the media route involves us getting roasted on Twitter every day like some certain media members. I'd rather not go that route. I'd rather go the fan route. And if we don't get media credentialed, and that's official, we're not getting media credentialed? Is that what's... Is that... Is that yeah, no, we... we, we, we uh, and to be fair, they were very nice about it. So, I, I, and it's not even like a... It's not even like a... Um, what's the right word to use here? It's not even like they're... Um, we're upset. I don't think we're upset. I think it's just more like, okay... We just got to kind of keep waiting until we're legitimate enough to to be like uh, like you said, the Wittenmeyers and um, other writers of the world. I, a fun question of the day: How long do you think that's going to take in the world? How long is what going to take in the I world? I mean, like what we do. Um, what we do is obviously not traditional media. We're on the internet. I think we're probably viewed upon as some as being like not as legitimate. Is that that's fair? fair. Is that fair? 100% it's fair. All right. How long until the legitimacy of what people do on the internet and the viewership that they garnish is, is more valued or is just as valued as somebody writing an article in a pay, in a, on, a, on a paywall site that they probably have? I mean, no disrespect, but like maybe a thousand or a couple thousand people that read. I don't know. I don't know if there will ever be a time where that happens just because you need somebody to be the voice, the objective voice of reason. And when that happens, you go to an article uh, opposed to a fan uh, led site. You could go both, but there always has to be that one tier that's more professional, more engaging. So yeah. I don't I don't know if 
Because it's because it's a fair thing. It's, it's, it's across the board. For those that are wondering, like, there's no digital platforms outside the athletic, I guess, because the athletic is, is certainly like a national organization. It's got VC money and blah, 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 blah. But um, there's no digital company that I know of uh, that I believe at all has ever been credentialed. So we were kind of already pushing the envelope a little bit. Um, and some of them, it might just be genuinely they didn't have enough room, and that's fine. But um, but I would love to 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 do what others have done for the Bengals, right? Um, you see local digital media companies, and, and and even guys that have joined this programs, the rapines of the world, have gotten access, you know, in the locker room, et cetera, being an an internet type organization. But that also might be just because they have a an affiliate, and that's what's funny about the whole thing is that that might just be because they're affiliated, or or James is affiliated with with Sports Illustrated, which just happened to go bankrupt because nobody has a Sports Illustrated subscription. Um, but it's, a, it's just an interesting time we live in. I don't know. It just, uh, it's unique in the sense that I do understand the legitimacy of you can't just allow anybody in the, in the arena, but... You can't let scrubs. You can't let scrubs, but I get it. But, I, but, it's like, but it's like, okay, like, I mean, the amount of viewership that's garnered on the internet is just significantly more than... I, I think what than you, legacy media companies like that's a fact. Yeah, I think, like with all due respect to the radio, I, I've I, seen radio numbers, I think and I've also seen the I amount think, of people that see what we do, and it's not even really close. Yeah, I, I think it's it's again it's about the talent, it's about all the stuff like that, and and, and that's and that's all that matters. I, I think unfortunately there is this stigma with quote unquote radio, with uh, a newspaper or journalism, right where. Uh, you say the word Cincinnati Enquirer, and it's automatically like, oh, okay, so you're a big deal. And there is there is a stigma to that, but I, I think that's just the way the world works a little bit. There's a, there's right. going to be a we put you on the list. Do you think you were the reason? Yeah, probably. Yeah, it was probably it. Why would you put me on that list? You shouldn't put me on that list. Well, we're a we're a pack. This okay, is a so wolf we're a pack. team. This is a wolf pack. Yeah, it's, yeah. You know, it, it probably should have been just the, if if we were smart about it, we probably should have just given it to Kirby. That's not how this rolls, though. Here, I, I know, but we can like we can sneak in, like, like I'm gonna find. What, 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 I mean, with all due respect, though, what's the what's the what's the point? Like, I don't know. I'm just we're gonna that. we're gonna ask Connor Green about his split finger. What do you think today about your split finger? How's it feel? Yeah, if I'm if I'm yeah, asking, it feels great. Yeah, it feels great. I'm gonna make, I, I'm gonna make something. No, what do you think I'm gonna say? It, gonna, it, it feels gonna, terrible. It's I'm a gonna horrible make, pitch. I'm gonna make I'm, I don't know why I ever even tried to throw it. I'm gonna make something very clear. If I get to talk to some of these Reds players, I will not be asking baseball questions. I'll be asking funny questions. Yeah, I don't, I'm, I'll save the I'll save the real hard hitting journalism to Nick and you. Hmm. That's it. That's all we got. So when we're out there, we're not 100 percent sure what sure what this will look like, but we're already committed. I'm already going out there. We're gonna go out there. Um, we're probably gonna have to uh, pay to get in the the facility, which is fine. We're leaving um, Monday night. We are we are leaving. Um, why am I? Why is my brain never? What 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 day is Monday? Fourth. Monday's the fourth. Yeah, yeah. Monday night. So we'll do the show. Uh, we'll do the show Monday next Monday, and then we'll uh, we'll do a little send off. We'll do a little send off, and then our goal is to try uh, one ask that I have, uh, genuine ask. If uh, if if anybody knows anybody, and I, I'm this is me being semi serious here, is if anybody knows somebody that's uh, young, energetic, would enjoy themselves on the road for for whatever two weeks, and um, has some videography uh, component to them. I'm looking for somebody that's wants to go and, and help help film, considering we're in a position now where people that have, we've we've talked to are kind of in the point where they do not want to edit. So, 
So if you, to, if you know anybody who can film and edit, we would love you to. Or just uh, film at this or point. Or film. Or and film. They're, and they're okay with, you know, like, you know, just being with the guys and they're not being a significant amount of money. It would be uh, from the 5th to the 18th. 17th. Keep counting. 17th. But Elliot gets paid today, so congratulations to you. Thank you. It's 12.09, so we're way after. This is called Overtime on uh, Off the Bench, Chatterbox Sports. And we will be back, as always, better than ever tomorrow. We were supposed to do uh, Miami Redhawk baseball later today. We are continuing to do that. We are thrilled to death that we are the home of Redhawks baseball and softball. Uh, here on Chatterbox Sports, that will be aired uh, on WatchCBox.com, and if maybe just maybe there's a big enough game, which there probably will be at some point, we'll probably make uh, make one of the games on YouTube like we did last year. But in order to make all that make sense, some of you are asking about whether it would be on YouTube. In order to make all that make sense, we kind of need to put it on our website as opposed to YouTube. But their game, unfortunately for them, got. Uh, What's the right word? Winded out? I think rained, lightninged out? Winded out. I think the high winds were a concern, and then obviously they were worried about lightning and, and rain, yes. But I, I woke up this morning and thinking to myself, man, I walked outside and I was thinking, if I was a college kid today going to play baseball, and I walked outside of my dorm or apartment or whatever I was living in, and I heard that our game was canceled based off the weather you usually play in on mm -hmm. February 27th, I would be pissed. I'd be like, of all the days... We're going to cancel the game on a day that actually is like 60-plus degrees. Tough sledding. All right. Thank you all for watching. We love you. We appreciate you. We hope to see you back and better than ever tomorrow. This has been Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. Take care, everybody.